Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hold on to your hats, everybody. We may have another upset in the making here. And hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we have quite a bit to cover on tonight's show. We have NFL free agency, obviously, opening up. We have March Madness in the middle of the first round, where Ohio is looks, – it looks like they're about – to potentially upset Virginia here, depending on what happens. Ohio's lead is down to two. Uh, We also have a whole bunch of stuff. We have a major injury. Well, I guess you could call it major, yeah, because it is a big-time player in the NBA. Uh, We will take a look at what effect that will have on, on his team. We also have a trade to talk about in the NBA as well, as well as COVID not just hitting March Madness, as a matter of fact, Oregon, because of COVID cases involving VCU. VCU had to forfeit, so Oregon immediately advances into the next round here. But we also have COVID cases that are affecting the NHL as well with one team being, uh, being you know, forced to postpone their next two games. We've also got WWE Fastlane to talk about. We have a UFC retirement to talk about. Actually, a well, not just a UFC retirement, but also two UFC releases that I meant, I meant to uh, discuss on last week's show. But we kind of, uh, because of blog talk, we kind of got limited to just two hours. But we are live for three hours tonight. Well, live for two hours, and then the third hour, if you're not on the line, you won't be able to hear it unless you listen to the archives or if you are on the line. Uh, A quick reminder for those of you who may be regular listeners to the Missy AE podcast, we just had two excellent shows this past Wednesday and Thursday with Hung and Chi and also with Andrew Savage and his wife, Stephanie Savage, discussing the Amazing Race 32 with Hung and Chi and discussing Survivor Pearl Island with the Savages. So, you guys are going to want to tune into those on either blogtalkradio.com slash missyae or by subscribing on iTunes by just searching missyae. You'll get access to those shows, and you'll get access to all of our previous interviews that we've done as well. We've, of course, had JoJo on the show, Ashley from BB14. We've had Matt and Tessa Bischoff as well as Michael Snow from Survivor Kara Moen. We've had we've had a, a ton of content for you guys to to listen to. Uh, but if you want to call in tonight and talk some sports, you can call in. The number is 657-383-1308. We certainly have a lot on the table tonight, including 
Another another big situation has come up in the NFL as well, involving one of the big rumored trade targets for many teams, which has some people some people on the fence about whether or not it is legitimate, whether or not it's just a, an attempted money grab by by a lawyer and a, and. A couple, well, actually, more like twenty-two. I think it's twenty-two women now. Uh, who knows? But that will be up for discussion tonight as well. So why don't we get started with the UFC releasing two? Well, in my opinion, two legendary fighters as they released Junior Dos Santos and Alistair Overeem, both in the heavyweight division a couple weeks back and Overeem, you kind of saw it coming. He had two fights left on his deal, but at the same time he was in pretty much, how should I put this? He was, he, he wasn't a contender, but he also wasn't, you know, out of the top 15. He wasn't out of the UFC rankings basically in the heavyweight division. He was stuck in purgatory basically. And, you know, a lot of people, when when he first came into the UFC, a lot of people thought that, uh, you know, him having having beaten Brock Lesnar uh, in one of Brock's last two UFC fights, that, you know, maybe perhaps Overeem, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be that long before we saw Alistair Overeem in, you know, a title, in a, a, a title shot. And... We never saw it coming, or we never we never had it. A final in March Madness, 13th-ranked Ohio upsets 4th-ranked Virginia to move on to the second round. So this is just another one of the massive upsets that we've had in, in uh, the March Madness so far this year. And honestly... You know, probably a lot. There's a lot of brackets that are having that are getting damaged. I know mine for sure have suffered a couple of hits, including one huge one, which we will discuss later on. But as back to Alistair Overeem, over Overeem, you know, leaving the UFC at this point with 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 him being 40, he's probably on his way out. Unless he decides to, you know, maybe maybe fight. I, I just don't know how many how many more fights he has left in him because he got manhandled by Alexander Volkov. He got manhandled by or not manhandled, but he uh, he lost in a last ditch effort to Jarzino Rosenstreak, but he did have back-to-back, he was coming off of back-to-back wins before he suffered his last loss in February against Alexander Volkov, or back-to-back wins, I should say, yeah, before he suffered his his last loss, so I don't know, but the fact that he had two fights remaining on his deal kind of speaks to me that the UFC didn't really see him going anywhere when it comes to potentially marketing a fighter like him, so Obviously, I'm. Who knows? I may, I may, I may end up being wrong. But it, it just, it just seems to me that uh, they 
by releasing Overeem, they are pre- are pretty much making room for some of the younger blood to you know to to get their to get their opportunity and climb into the rankings. Now, Junior Dos Santos, on the other hand, I'm kind of shocked about because he was he, he he was at least in a better position than Overeem was in the rankings, and it wasn't that long ago that he was considered a heavyweight contender. But I guess you know losing four straight, it's gonna it's it's gonna prompt Dana White you know to to have to either have a real sit down moment with the with the fighter or just flat out release the fighter and kind of makes me wonder with Junior Dos Santos having five fights left on his deal if maybe perhaps Dana had a little sit down with him because you don't want to go down the route of taking too much damage and essentially becoming brain dead like BJ Penn to to the point of where it you would you would literally cringe every single time he he would step into the octagon after you know after after every every loss that he would take so maybe perhaps I mean, Dos Santos, his last win was against Derek Lewis uh, back on back in March of 2019, actually. So more than two, a little more than two years ago, uh, at this point, where he won a fight of the night over Derek Lewis. Since then, he suffered back to back to back to back knockout losses, technical knockout losses, to Francis Ngannou, Curtis Blades, which both guys are huge, devastating, uh, devastating strikers. And as a matter of fact, in Ganu, like I've mentioned previously, uh, you basically have to weather the storm with Nganu or else if you can't, it's very likely he may end up finishing you in the, within the first, within the first, uh, round or so, the first round or the second round. And Junior Dos Santos, he ended up being one of those casualties, losing in a minute and 11 seconds to Ngannou uh, back in June of 2019. Then he lost to Curtis Blades. He lost to Jairzino Rosenstreak, and he lost to Cyril Gagne uh, in his last fight in the UFC, which was in December, back in December. So it looks like the the UFC – they're pretty much making, you know, making room for for new fighters to try and, you know, to try to try and uh, and bring those fighters into the spotlight. Now it does say here, uh, according to ESPN, that uh, Dos Santos he was recently offered a short notice fight against Marcin Tibora at UFC 260, which is next week actually, or. Is it next week or wait? It's March 29th, so I believe the following the following Monday, I think. Which technically, I guess, over uh, depending on where they're having it, maybe it's Sunday. I don't know. It's it's a very weird, uh, you know, a, a very a very weird how they how they do some of their fights. Uh, Dos Santos declined the fight because he didn't have enough time to prepare. 
And because of that, uh, the UFC ultimately decided to release him. Now, in an Instagram post that he did, uh, he did hint that he would continue to fight despite being released from the UFC. So probably going to see more of Junior Dos Santos down the line. Maybe he signs with Bellator. You know, Bellator, they just got that, uh, they just got that deal done with Showtime. So maybe perhaps we could potentially see Junior Dos Santos land there. Maybe perhaps Alistair Overeem goes back uh goes back uh over to Bellator because he has a history of course uh with with Showtime having been on Strike Force. There's it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting exactly what uh what the future holds for the both of them. Now, there was a scary situation that took place in the weigh-ins for UFC on ESPN, Brunson versus Holland uh, earlier this week. Uh, Julia Stoliarenko, the former Invicta FC bantamweight champion, she was supposed to fight Julia Avila tonight. She did end up making weight, but the contest ended up getting canceled due to due to health concerns as Stoliarenko ended up collapsing twice during her attempts to weigh in. And I, 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 I'll tell you something. I saw the video footage, and my God, it just – she at first, she looked just like, just like any other fighter, you know, uh, maybe perhaps doing a little, bit, a little bit of flexing. But then all of a sudden, it was almost as if she got completely lightheaded or something, and she was pretty much on spaghetti legs. And next thing you know, she falls right back, straight, straight back off of the uh, off of the scale. And of course, they had a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of people rushing in to to check on her. And I mean, it was it was a pretty serious fight, you know. It 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 did not look good whatsoever. So. She then attempted to weigh in a second time, and this time she had she she was starting to fall, and you know she had to she had to have help standing or, or staying up, and ultimately they ended up deciding to call to call the fight, which call the fight off, which obviously makes the most sense. Something tells me she must have had one hell of a weight cut to where. Usually, usually when you see fighters have to have to deal with stuff like this, it it usually has to do with some sort with a, with a weight cut of some sort. There was, you know, maybe maybe perhaps uh, some problems that that she ended up. Uh, maybe she she just had to cut too much weight, and obviously, you know that does uh, that does a number on the body to what, to the point of where, you know, you may end up feeling lightheaded and basically potentially collapsing like she did on the, uh, at the weigh-ins. Now she has released a statement since basically saying that she is, uh, that she is okay. Uh, and she did say that the problem was not her weight cut. It was actually one of the easiest weight cuts that she's had to make. 
uh, weight was dropping too fast. And the main issue, she thinks, was that she made weight too early. Basically, the weigh-ins start at 9, and she was already on weight at 5 in the morning, 5 a.m. in the morning. And it was just too long of a time on weight. So, and she 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 then ended up stating, as everybody knows, when you cut weight, you cannot be on this weight for too long because you're already at the limit of your dehydration. That isn't that was an issue as to why it all happened. Uh, and she she went on to say, I'm so upset because right now I'm feeling great. I feel ready for a fight. My body feels great. I'm still in good shape. I know that I can fight. It just happened that the athletic commission did not clear me for a fight because we are taking care of the fighters. That situation looks terrible. And honestly, if if you take a look at the video of her of her fainting, yeah, it's it's a real it's a it, 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 it does not look good whatsoever. So. At least you know she has. At least she's uh, she's feeling better now, uh, to where she doesn't have to, uh, you know, may, maybe can get it rescheduled or something. All right. Next up on the agenda here, uh, we have WWE Fast Lane. That is set to take place, I believe, tomorrow night, which should make for quite the interesting, uh, you know, quite quite the interesting card. As this is one of the one of the last stops, actually. To actually, I believe it is it is the last stop to WrestleMania because we we still have, of course. You know the um, we have we have the NXT takeovers that still have to be done, but other than that, yeah, you know, there's still there's still some some stuff to look forward to basically here. But uh, when it comes to WWE Fastlane. Let's take a look at the card. WWE Fastlane, of course, will be the first uh, event, if I recall correctly. It will be the first event that will be shown on Peacock, the streaming service that uh, that is run by, by NBC. And Peacock, of course, is entering that new deal with WWE you know I've I've sort of integrated over uh, over to the new service already I mean it's kind of confusing but you know it's it's going to it's going to take a little bit of getting used to basically when it comes to when it comes to that service but anyways we do have a bunch of a uh, bunch of matches on the card here for WWE Fastlane uh one of the actually seven matches and it looks like I do n- I don't think that there's a uh, that there's a pre-show match yet uh let me 
Let me look. Yeah, nope, I'm not seeing. Huh. Yeah, no, I'm not see- I'm not seeing a uh a what's it called? A pre-show match here. I don't know why, but uh we do have seven uh we do have seven matches on the card, the first one I'm going to read down here. We have Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler defending their women's tag team championships against Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. Obviously, with Banks and Belair facing each other at WrestleMania, this is probably going to be another one of those matches where one of them ends up ends up basically screwing the other, and. I'll be perfectly honest. I haven't really watched SmackDown recently since the last pay-per-view, so I don't know exactly, you know, what what is, uh, you know, what's actually going on. But I would have to assume that they're probably. I mean, they've been building Bianca Belair as as a face for so long now that it would be kind of shocking to me if she ended up turning heel. So. I would think that it's probably going to be Sasha that that ends up turning heel, and who knows? We'll see. We'll see. Obviously, where this goes, but uh, one interesting little tidbit is Reginald, who originally was Carmella's manager, getting inserted into this whole thing, and considering considering his his time with Carmella didn't go too well. Who knows? You know, he has this whole he has this whole crush on Sasha Banks that they did during Sasha's uh, program with Carmella. Maybe, perhaps Reginald Reginald's uh, partnership with uh, you know with Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler is a ruse. Who knows? I, I guess we'll uh, we'll see, but. I wouldn't expect Sasha and Bianca to win the titles because obviously they have to further set up that, that match at WrestleMania uh, between the two of them. Now the next match on the card, Big E versus Apollo Crews. Uh, the little snippets I have seen of, of SmackDown on on YouTube mostly is them basically – redoing Apollo Cruz's gimmick to where he's basically some sort of, I guess, I guess some sort of Kenyan or, or I'm sorry, not Kenyan, Nigerian prince or something, or they're calling it, uh, he, he ended up coming down to the ring with a spear and he also had two Nigerian elite guards with him. Uh, also speaking with a Nigerian accent and stuff like that. So it's definitely, it's one of the more interesting characters that they've been doing so far. Uh, I believe we have added Kyle uh, to the line here. Kyle, is that you? It is. How are you, Steve? I am doing good. Uh, I'm, I've been talking, obviously, uh, 
leading up until until you ended up calling in here, I've been talking about UFC, and then I started going on about WWE Fastlane. Uh, do you do you watch much wrestling? Um, not too much wrestling, but I do watch UFC. And um, the big story, I guess I'm pretty sure you already said it. Khabib has has retired officially, so that leaves a vacant in his weight class. I'm I'm assuming well, no, you already actually, I touched on it. You know what? I was gonna bring that up. That I was wondering. There was one. There was one story that I was missing because I talked <laughs> about the. Uh, I talked about the, uh, the weigh-in scare that happened just the other day. I talked about the uh, releases of Junior Dos Santos and yep. uh, Alistair Overeem. I knew there was something I was missing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Habib Namaga Madoff, man. You know yeah, he. That was big. He, he, this this is one of the uh, this this is one of the uh, one of the weirdest uh, you know circumstances that has happened with him because Dana Dana's okay, been okay. trying to get him out of retirement for so long and I kind of understand right. why he why he would stay retired because of the fact that you know his father mm. was his coach. And his father, okay. his father obviously, obviously was one of the one of the biggest reasons why he got into mixed martial arts. So, when his father ended up passing away unexpectedly, you know that you could you could see it in his last fight that he had that you know he wasn't really into right. it. He it was almost as if he was forcing himself to you know, to defend his title one last time before, because obviously due to, due to uh, obligations that he had with the UFC, uh, you know, he ended up submitting Justin Gaethje and simply pretty much ending his career. And it, it, it totally sucks because it, granted he, he's only defended the title three times, but, I mean, the dude cleared out the lightweight division. He dominated right. Conor McGregor. He dominated Dustin Poirier. He dominated Justin Gaethje. You take it. You take a look at the names that he's that he's uh, had to go through in his UFC career: Edson Barbosa, Raging Ally Aquinta, Michael Johnson. You know, it's he was well on his way to basically clearing out the lightweight division and. It just it really seems to me like you know I think I think that had part of a reason part of the reason as to why he would retire, but also because mainly because of his uh, of his dad no longer being in his corner. Uh, what what are your thoughts on the retirement of uh, Namaga Madoff? It, it it's very shocking, you know. It, it it's shocking, and I I think you said you hit it. You know, he, he wiped out his division. The only thing he had left to do was drop weight and go to that division and conquer that again. And he, he probably would have. But like you said, it, it's his father. Like, there's there's some people in sports who are fueled by money. You know, you have your guys like, we'll say OBJ in football, guys like John Wall. NBA are fueled by money, and then you have your guys like, you know, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, 
um, NFL, people like, I'm trying to give like an NBA example um, of somebody who doesn't care about the money. They're chasing rings. They're chasing legacy, mm-hmm. you know, at this point, you know, and like, I, I believe like LeBron. Right. Yeah. You know, and people like that, it, it, it's, it's sad because, you know, like you have guys like Khabib and, um, you know, Daniel Cormier who are like, no, like I'm, I'm in it for a legacy. George St. Pierre, Gabriel Gonzaga, these are all examples in like UFC, but then you can switch over to NFL. You can say guys like Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning. They care about their legacy before anything, you know. So well, Brees is, you know, he was beat up anyway. So I think the timing was right. Right, right, right. But it, but it, it's just sad because you know, as much as Dana is like, dude, you own this. This is your. This is like, pretty much like five years ago. The UFC was John Jones, and that's it. Like, right. John Jones literally can do whatever anything he wanted. That's Khabib. Khabib can do whatever he wants, whatever he wants. Yeah. He fights whenever he wants. He calls the shots. That's what you need. You need guys in the sport like that. Tom Brady can call his shots. Tom Brady can do whatever freak he wants, as much as Roger Gale is against yes. him. Right. Like, it's unfortunate. Trust me, I, I don't want to say it, but... It's guys like that. You need somebody in that sport. Derek Jeter was like that for a while. Like, right now, it's probably Mike Trout in MLB who can say, like, you know what? Like, eh, I'm not feeling it this year. I'm not going to play. You know, like, you need somebody in in, in your sport like that. It's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. I think it's saying when we've gone through in the past year, I get the reasons why they were opting out, you know, virus concerns and they're concerned for the family. I mean, you know, I mean, now it's becoming more complex as it's happening, but I think, you know, given the circumstances of the past year, I don't know if you can really blame anybody for opting out. Right. Yeah. Now, I mean, uh, but... I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kyle. No, I, I, so I, I think my point in, in that just being, like, there's athletes that are fueled by more than just money, and there's athletes hmm. that leave a lasting impression on their, their sport because they're not fueled by the dollar. Khabib doesn't care about getting paid mad money. Khabib cares about being the best fighter, period, hands down, whatever. Yeah. And then I'm going to flip it to that a woman's was... side. Do you think – no, I, I was going to say, I was going to flip it to a woman's side. Do you think Amanda Nunes really cares that she's getting $200 million to kick the fuck out of anybody she beats? No. No. She doesn't care if she's making no. a dollar. She just – Right, so she just wants to be the best in her sport. So I think my point right now is just there's people, there's athletes that are fueled by money, there's athletes that are fueled by legacy, and there's athletes that are fueled by something different. Khabib falls in yeah, that. And to be, and, Khabib falls in right. And to be fair, with uh, when it comes to Amanda Nunez, she's another one of those fighters that's actually completely clearing out her division to the point of where. Uh, let's see. She's been UFC bantamweight champion ever since she beat Misha right. Tate back in 2016. Yeah. And <laughs> right. I mean, nobody has come even close to beating her ever since. Right. So, I mean, she's one of those true fighters who has, who has clearly cleared out her division. Uh, but right. I want to get your thoughts on, and, and Lou, by the way, welcome, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, I, I Sorry, I'm jumping up, in, Steve. Uh, no, that's okay. I, I was I was going to introduce you. Uh, Sorry. 
Well, we, we've been talking about the UFC and uh, I heard. The UFC and Habib Nurmagomedov's retirement. Uh, yeah. but Kyle, I want to I, I bring this up to you. Uh, now that Habib is officially retired, they officially yep. booked a fight between Michael Chandler and Charles Oliveira, which, by the way, I think is the wrong move to do. I think it should have been Chandler versus Poirier, not Chandler versus Oliveira. And Oliveira, well, nothing's wrong with Oliveira, but it's you know you had you had that one pay per view where where you had Chandler win his fight and you had Poirier beat uh, Conor McGregor. You know yes. that it, it oh, seemed no, very yeah. obvious. It seemed very obvious that the fight to make, if Habib was going to stay retired would have been Chandler versus uh versus Poirier. And apparently right, that's not right. happening. Now I can't. Right. But uh I want to I want to I want to go to you first on this Kyle. What what are your thoughts on this matchup? Michael Chandler, uh the upstart uh longtime champion from Bellator facing off against Charles Oliveira in only uh, keep in mind, this is only Michael Chandler's second UFC fight, and he's going right. to be already fighting for a title. I I think it's ridiculous. I mean, I think like you just said, I I think there's other guys like Justin Gaethje who's deserving, Tony Tony Ferguson who's deserving. Literally, like that's like saying, hey, like congratulations, UAV UVA just lost. So why don't we just put that team that just beat UAV in the NCAA tournament well, into the Final Four? Because you know, you know, well, they just beat the number four seed in UVA. You know, so they deserve to be in the Sweet Sixteen or Elite Eight, correct? I mean, so for me, yeah. it, it's the wrong move. You know, it, it's not well, good. Justin Gaethje, I'm pissed. If I'm Justin Gaethje, if I'm Tony Ferguson, I'm pissed. Well, Ferguson just got beat. Ferguson just got beat right. by Oliveira. Right. That, so technically, yeah. so, so technically, Ferguson would be be would be behind Oliveira in the line. But you know, my my point that I was making was that you know Poirier, it seemed very likely right. that he was going to be the next in line to uh to to get that title shot if Habib didn't stay if Habib ended up coming back, you know, out of retirement. But right. now they've basically they've basically skipped over Poirier and they've decided, no, we're gonna give it to Charles Oliveira. Yeah. After defeating Tony Ferguson. Mm. Yeah. But this uh this will determine this will determine who officially is the UFC lightweight champion. Uh, right now that now that uh, Habib Nurmagomedov is officially 100% retired. Uh, Lou, what are your thoughts on this? You know, it, it's it seemed like the obvious matchup would be Michael Chandler versus Dustin Poirier. The UFC right. decided to go a completely different direction. I what what are your thoughts? Well, I'm just, you know, thinking, you know, all, you know, all the effort that, you know, uh, White tried to make to get uh, Khabib to fight one more time, and he decided to call it quits. So, uh, of course, I'm not surprised by that. You know, his body can take all he can take, and now I just uh, screw the whole, whole, screw the whole schedule up now. So, 
Well, you know, Ky- Kyle and I were discussing. Kyle and I were discussing this before you came on, and it, it, it's right. not necessarily the amount of damage that his body has taken. It's more because of the fact yeah. that you know his his dad was his uh, was his head trainer. He yeah. was his head coach. Right. Yeah, he got over that. His dad. I and his dad, his dad ended up passing away. I believe it was due to a heart attack. Uh, yes. You know, his, his dad ended up passing away, and you know, his last fight against Justin Gaethje, he just—I mean, he dominated Gaethje, but it just didn't—it didn't look like oh, Habib was all there. It—it it just didn't look like Habib was all there, basically. No. Well, when your father is passing away, I mean, it's kind of hard to. Focus on that. Well, then again, on the other hand, you could look at it another way. I mean, you know, he wanted you to fight, and you, you know, you gotta give all you got. Like, like, okay, Dad, this one's for you. So you gotta look. I, I kind of look at it like both ways. It, it can, it can go either way. I mean, you can get so wrapped up in, in the death of it, and you lose your momentum, or you can go out there and fight. Like, you know, do it, do it for, do it for your dad. So you kinda yeah. go, it kind of can go both ways. That's the way I look at it. I don't know what everybody else thinks, but that's the way I always look at it. Because well, I what, the what do same you think, thing. Kyle? What, what do you think, Kyle? Uh, do you do you agree with uh, with what Lou uh, with what Lou's uh, thinking here? Yeah, I I, I mean ultimately oh, it, it, it's so tough because like like I said earlier, there, there's different athletes that get fueled by different things. Like for me. You know, if my nephew passed away and if I was a top tier athlete, I I'm I'm done. You know, like it, I can't. I'm not going to function. That's my nephew. I'll do anything for him. And like I said, like some, it, it depends on the, the athlete. Like like I said earlier, some people are are fueled by money. Some people are fueled by legacy. Some you know, so it, it it's tough. You know, I I think. Oh yeah. And maybe maybe maybe, Khabib in two weeks a month from now is gonna be like, hey, like I'm gonna fight for my father. Like this is what he wants me to do. Right. So we, we we don't know. And I'm and Dana White will be like, All right, dude, like and I guarantee you Dana Dana White will give him a title fight off the rip. Period. Yeah. I don't oh, yeah, care. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Basically like when G S P came back. When G S P came right. when you yeah. have such a dominant fighter like that and they end up yeah. retiring early, if if I, I honestly, I think that Habib is basically on the GSP level at this point, to where right. if he ends yeah. up returning, it's an automatic title fight. Yeah. Um, so, and actually, I found out the reason why uh, Dustin Poirier was not included. It turns out that they are setting up the trilogy fight between him and Conor McGregor mm. uh, for uh-huh. some time in, I believe, July is what they're aiming yeah. for right Hi. now. Uh, July 10th for the trilogy fight. Conor McGregor obviously won the first fight between the two uh, back while he was on his way towards the UFC. uh, I think it was the featherweight title at the time, or maybe it was the lightweight title. Uh I forget which. Uh, But they fought once before. Uh, Then, obviously, this most recent fight, uh, Poirier pulled it out there. And now the UFC has decided that this would be basically a big money fight, so they're going to set it up. They're going to set up the trilogy fight here uh, between the two. So that's why uh, Poirier isn't involved in the uh, in the title picture 
for for this uh, for this title shot. Right. Now there there is one. Uh, I want to transition into the NFL because there is apart mm-hmm. from obviously the big free agent frenzy uh, that has that has gone it. on. Uh, there is quite the story that is brewing with yeah. Deshaun Watson uh, being accused by, I think it's up to, what, 22 women 12. now, apparently? No, it's, it's yes. apparently it's 22. It's 12, now it's 12 22, a jump of 10 in one day? <laughs> yeah, 12, 12 of them are confirmed, wow. but apparently apparently they're looking at bringing in, tw- uh, bringing in 10 other uh, women. Uh, according to the press conference that the lawyer uh, had yesterday. Now, here's what's here's what's so odd about this is the fact that obvious obviously you know this is all going on while he's requesting a trade out of Houston. So this is what mm-hmm. this is what makes it kind of sketchy is that the odd circumstances and also the fact that so many so many women now have. Have come out uh, within. I, I believe there was a, as big of an increase of of at least. Let me see if I have the math down correctly. I think there was as big of an increase as uh, uh, as of like nine women within a day that have uh, that, that that this lawyer uh, representing the the first three women has apparently uh t- Tony Busby apparently he's a uh, he's a big big uh friend of of the McNairs the uh the Houston Texans owner or maybe former Houston Texans owner I'm not sure if they still own the Texans right now uh but at a uh, press conference yesterday Busby claimed that he has been contacted by the Houston Police Department and that uh, they would be exchanging he would be exchanging information with them now however though houston houston's police department they responded to this later on last night on twitter by saying at this time the hpd is unaware of any contacts between hpd and houston attorney tony busby regarding the allegations contained in his recently filed lawsuits and no incident reports regarding these allegations have been filed in our jurisdiction. So this is, I mean, this is apparently, you know, it's, it's so odd that all of this stuff is coming up. And now apparently after he got called out by, by the Houston police department, Busby took to Instagram and he provided a screenshot that showed he was contacted by a detective. And this is labeled, you know, you know, on, on the iPhone, you know, when you add a contact and you type in the person's name, like, for example, uh, like Steve Kent, for example. Busby literally labeled, labeled this detective. Like it wasn't, uh, there was no last name like Detective Matthews or uh, Detective so-and-so it was just detective yes uh it's a private says, yeah he says hpd for whatever reason claims now they haven't had contact with me regarding the deshaun watson situation i guess technically they are correct the truth is mm-hmm. a detective i know reached out to me and i've made clear that when my clients are ready we will submit a package to the police competent mm-hmm. hpd 
Uh, and the the screenshot that he provided is as follows. Hey, Tony, I read about your lawsuits with Watson. Do, do your clients need a criminal investigation done on these incidents? Busby replied by saying, looks like I will have nine clients total. I intended to have each do affidavits and then file formal charges. Uh, the detective, and I put it in quotation marks because, I mean, let's face it, this all seems really sketchy to begin with. Okay, let me know if I can help you get to the right people. Tony then says, thank you, I will for sure. Uh, now, Watson, he's being represented by one of the top lawyers, uh, one of the top lawyers in sports, Rusty Harden. And uh, Rusty had this to say about the whole thing, saying, I am extremely proud to represent Deshaun Watson and wholly stand behind him against what we believe are meritless allegations. However, we will wait to comment in detail until we've completed our review of the, of the numerous evolving allegations from Mr. Busby. We will respond next week and ask you to keep an open mind until we do so. Now, for those who are unaware of what the allegations are, Basically, there's been a whole bu- a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of former masseuses that have claimed that mm-hmm. he contacted them on that he he contacted them on social media, namely Instagram, and uh, basically set up set up numerous appointments with different masseuses, and apparently he tried to basically. Uh, sexually assault all of them in right specific ways and i mean it, it it seems like with each story that comes out it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse yeah for Watson. I mean, a few days ago uh, it was like what uh three or seven now it's up to 22 yeah but i mean like as far as like the graphic detail like yeah, one yeah. said that he one said that he tried to have her massage his uh his genitals another one said that he he forcibly uh uh made her give him oral sex and stuff like that it's you know it it's just gotten yeah, it's more and more uh you know the the allegations have evolved further you know as the days have gone on so I mean, maybe they're true. Maybe they're just digging for gold because he's about to leave Houston, so why not try to ruin his character? Uh, I mean, let's start, let's start with you, Kyle, on this. What, what are your thoughts on – I assume you've probably been following this story. Uh, yeah. Do you think this is legitimate? I don't think so. He's not, he's not a bad character guy. His like nobody questioned Deshaun Watson's character coming out of Clemson, just so like, it, and I like I don't know like you, you don't know a person you can't judge a person I don't know Deshaun Watson so I don't want to be like oh like I saw him at the club at Clemson you know sure. he was turning up like so like I, I'm not gonna say that because I don't want anybody to say anything bad about me, but right I I'll I'll say this I don't. I think it's a case of people just coming out and trying to get, you know, attention. But I will say this. Do athletes get away with certain stuff? Yes. Hell yes. 
as a 17-year-old kid, you can go to any club you want, anywhere you want. You run it down. You're not going to tell me that Wendell Moore in Durham, North Carolina, can't go to a club and do whatever he wants. You're not going to tell me Joey Baker, who's 20 years old, can't go to a club in Durham and do whatever he wants. No, he's going to do whatever he wants, period. Because he's an athlete. He's not going to get in trouble. So I will say that. But I, I, I don't think Deshaun Watson has done anything. You know, like that's just me as a sports fan. What's up? Yeah, it's a, it says here our sources are or TMZ's sources tell TMZ that Watson is yeah. he never crossed the line with any of the women and still strongly yeah. believes they're being led by a money hungry attorney who's looking for a payout. Yeah. Uh let's see. Yeah, it says here that uh Watson didn't find the women out of the blue, insisting when his usual therapist was stopped by the COVID pandemic that he reached out to various friends, teammates, and associates in order to try and get recommendations. Uh, Now it says that once Watson made contact, he put an emphasis on privacy and spelled out the areas he wanted the massage to make sure the masseuse was comfortable and to ensure things stayed professional. Now, obviously, according to the masseuses, uh, all the different masseuses, uh, you know, they claim that he he made them purposely try to massage closer to his groin area, which obviously, you know, yeah. that would further down spiral into a whole bunch of uh, into all the other allegations. Yeah, different breed altogether. Oh, what what are you, what is your take on this, Lou? Absolutely insane. I mean, this is you, call, you think this is legit? No, not a chance. This this something that doesn't seem right here. And all and yeah, all it, the all the allegations popping and just like this. Oh, he did this. He did that. You're just looking. You're just looking to get. You're just looking to get something out of it. I'm not buying this. It sounds worse. This sounds worse than like a movie of the week. Now the NFL, they are uh, launching an official investigation into him. Uh, right. They are yes. looking to. They're looking to interview the accusers. Uh, attorney uh, Tony Busby, he did post a letter that he received from one of the NFL investigators who previously had a lead role in the NFL's investigation of Ezekiel Elliott all the way back when. Uh, And the letter is authentic. In her letter, uh, Lisa Friel states that the league is aware of the three, at the time, three lawsuits Busby had filed on behalf of the female massage therapists who claimed they were sexually assaulted by Watson, and she was hoping to conduct interviews with them as soon as possible. Uh, the league has also invited Busby to be, to be included in the interviews if the women agree to participate. Uh, and it, it says here that it is unclear if the women will cooperate, especially while their lawsuits are still pending. Yeah, um, yeah it, says, it says uh, in further detail here, what was supposed to be an innocent and professional massage session turned into an aggressive push for sex acts. Um, 
Yeah, it does. It does say he has not been charged with a crime. I'll be right back. Or even named. Okay, Lou. Uh, you know he hasn't been charged with a crime or named a person of interest in the criminal investigation. However, the NFL has made it clear that they don't need a criminal conviction in order to take disciplinary action against the player, and that's obviously what happened in the Ezekiel Elliott case. Uh, now I'm trying. I'm trying to go back here and see if I can find uh, some of the things. Okay, so there was one one of the suits, for example. Uh, a woman filed her suit under the pseudonym Jane Doe in order to protect her identity. Claimed that Watson reached out on Instagram to set up a session. The woman says the two agreed to an appointment at a Houston, Texas office building on December 28th at 10 a.m. The, wo- the woman who claims she was newly engaged and had just graduated chiropractic school says her mother dropped her off at the job and then she met Watson. I'm sorry, hang on a second. That already sounds fishy to begin with. She had... She she couldn't drive to the job herself to have her mother drop her off. But then she met Watson, and that's when she claims things immediately got weird. The woman says Watson insisted she focus on massaging his inner thighs and inner glutes while repeatedly telling her he's a professional football player. First off, who... How much of an ego would you have to have to continue to tell people exactly who you are? Right. Uh, that that just doesn't add up to begin with there. Uh, she claims Watson got more aggressive and eventually coerced her to move her mouth toward his dick, forcing her to perform oral sex on him. Claims she never consented to the sex act, to the sex act, and actually, and this is this is what kind of makes it funny here. Blacked out for a few minutes from the fear, she was so scared that she blacked out. Apparently, back. Hmm. that that she she went unconscious. She blacked out from the fear of being forced hmm. to perform oral sex on 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 Watson. Apparently. Uh, in the suit, she claims she was so terrified she also defecated on herself. Oh, come on. Uh, really? The woman says Watson got up, got dressed, and left as if nothing happened. She is suing for sexual assault, civil assault, and intentional inflection of emotional distress. It's the, this is the third of the three original lawsuits that were filed by Tony Busby. Um, who claimed that there would be more, uh, you know, there would be more people. Uh, some of the, uh, one of the other lawsuits says here that a, a woman who is a professional masseuse who operates her massage business out of Atlanta, Georgia, says Watson reached out to her over Instagram on August 14th, 2020 to set up a private session. The woman says Watson agreed to fly her out to Houston for a massage on August 28th at Watson's suite at the Houstonian Hotel Club and Spa. Over there, though, the woman says Watson immediately got completely nude and got on the massage table with his dick completely exposed. 
Something he says she was very uncomfortable with. The woman says in her suit that she firmly told Watson that he needed to use a towel to cover himself, but she claims the quarterback declined, explaining he gets, in quotations, he gets hot easily. She says she continued with the massage, but started to think something was off. In the suit, the woman says Watson then kept directing her to his anus and genitals, getting more and more aggressive with his massage demands. At one point, the woman claims that Watson moved in her direction, causing Jane Doe's hand to touch Watson's genitals. Shortly after, the woman says she stopped the massage and tried to leave, but claims a completely naked Watson grabbed her by the hand, started to rub her arm, and told her, it's okay, it's okay. The woman eventually left and said Watson only paid for half of what she was owed. The woman then says Watson reached out some months later, saying he was in town in Atlanta and wanted to see if she was available. The woman then claims that she did not receive the suit. The woman says she suffered mental anguish over the incident and is seeking unspecified damages. Now, I mean, I, I, I have no idea what the hell this what the hell to even think about this um yeah the first woman the first woman who filed uh said she was contacted on instagram in march seeking march of last year seeking a massage from the moment he arrived at her home the woman claims watson made it clear he was looking for a sexual encounter and when the time came for his massage He stripped naked on the massage table with only a small towel covering his groin. The Watson, or or the woman, claims Watson had brought the small towel himself. During the massage, the woman claims Watson kept directing her toward his genitals and said he wanted the focus of the massage to be on his groin area. Uh, At one point, claims a fully erect Watson exposed his dick and purposely touched Jane Doe's hand with the tip. She claims she was shocked and mortified and promptly ended the massage and began to cry. Now, you see, this one I can kind of I can I can kind of see compared to the other two. I can kind of see this one because obviously when if you know that something is about to happen here, you know, yeah. you're not even going to do the massage to begin with. And that's when she claims that Watson made a veiled threat saying, I know you have a career and a reputation, and I know you would hate for someone to mess with yours, just like I don't want anyone messing with mine. The woman claims Watson apologized via a text message, but she didn't respond. The masseuse claims she suffered mental anguish and as a result of the incident, as well as panic attacks, depression, and anxiety. She is, she is seeking unspecified damages. Now you see, I can believe that over yeah over over one who said that she was so afraid of fe- she was so filled with fear that she blacked out uh, from the fear and that she also defecated on herself. Um, I can believe that more than I, I can believe that more. Uh, than the second woman who, well, actually, you know what? No, I, well, no. I mean, I wouldn't think that he would, 
I wouldn't think that he that he would leave his he would leave his dick completely exposed like that. So I can't even believe the second woman. No, no. I mean, well, what are your thoughts, Lou, on on this on on this whole this whole thing? I mean, because I've 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 read the you know the three the three. Uh, Actual lawsuits that we yeah. that we know about so far. This is re- that is so ridiculous. I, I don't think I don't think it's believable at all. I don't think I can believe the testimony of of this person. I, I think I think it. I think they're just looking. You know, I think they're just looking for something. You know, and I don't I don't I don't buy this I don't buy this story at all. Sounds like a complete farce. I mean, like I, you know, like I said, I can believe the the first accusation more than I can believe the other ones. I see. I mean, unless he is really that out of his mind to where he actually believed that he could get away with something like that. I I just I I. I it sounds very suspicious. I'm not saying I'm I'm not saying that it didn't happen. I'm saying that it's, you know, completely suspicious. Yeah. And very suspicious timing of it as well cuz if these women were truly terrified, why the hell wouldn't they have done it, you know, during you know, immediately after it happened. And I know I know yeah. what people will say. I know what people will say. Well, a whole bunch of women remember Bill Cosby. A whole bunch of women waited uh, years before they came out against Bill Cosby. Why would you wait years to do it? If you know he did it, why didn't he come out right away and say like, "Oh, well, this happened like uh, seventy years ago." Now, why didn't you take care of it then, idiot? Well, here's 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 the thing. I I I hate to make this a you know a topic of. I know, I know. Uh, you know, a conversation about about sexual assault, but in Hollywood, it's different because Cosby back then he actually was very influential. You know, he he yes. knew a lot of high a lot of high profile people, and most of those women, you know, they were either aspiring actresses or aspiring models. You know, they're looking for. They were probably looking for a way, you know, a way into uh, either into the business or to further their careers. But you know, just just with this whole with this whole story, I, I mean, it's I'm finding it very hard to believe with with the uh, and I, I you know I told you I told you that the the level of yeah of the accusations increased drastically. So, I mean, who knows? For all we know, maybe maybe this really is true, and if it is, then, you know, the guy's a, a complete fucking scumbag. That's true. Uh, if, it's, if it is true. Yeah. But <laughs> I still can't get over the whole detective thing that... <laughs> no, no. <laughs> he would really... He would really label... He would really label the detective just detective and not right. detective last name or or something like right. that. Or just Dick for sure. Um, 
and also, you know, just the fact that this all really seems like when when it, when it appeared that there was some momentum behind, you know, maybe the Texans getting rid of Deshaun Watson, you know, I was sort of wondering at one point, because he's connected to the owner of the Houston Texans, you know, he's real good friends with them, could – could he could you know could the Texans perhaps be uh you know could uh could they perhaps be trying to basically self sabotage yes and it, it it just doesn't make sense that they would do that though because you're going to get a gigantic haul if you're going to trade Deshaun Watson you're going to get a gigantic haul for him if you start making up this shit and he knows that you're making it up, you, do you really think that that he's number one going to play for you after all this, and number two that you're going to be able so. to get anything for him on the market? I don't think so. I mean, they're they're basically sabotaging themselves for no reason, essentially. But honestly, you know, if if the, if this is all true, then you know clearly he's facing he's definitely facing jail time because uh, you know another another thing too is the fact that these are all civil lawsuits and not criminal lawsuits. Right. You remember? Do you remember the uh, the Antonio Brown situation? Yes. Those were all civil lawsuits as well. And have those have home. those been uh, have has there been any news on those since uh, since he ended up signing with Tampa Bay or actually since he ended up nope. leaving New England? Nope. No. So it, 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 it makes it makes me wonder who's going to be next next year. You know who's going to have a sexual assault case go out against them next year in the NFL because. It it almost seems like we're going to have one case, one you know one case of a whole bunch of people a, a whole bunch of women accusing uh, an NFL star per year at this point. Yeah, it seems to be the normal. And also, you know, uh, Tony Busby he has received a lot of death threats from uh, I assume Houston Texan fans, not just. Men, but I've seen a whole a couple of women actually as well that have uh, that have uh, sit on this on this whole thing on uh, on Twitter, and there's a lot of people who don't believe that he uh, that he actually did this. So this could get very ugly, very fast, depending on what happens. And he, it, it, from what it sounds like, he has held firm that he will not settle, you know, uh, that he is going to take this thing yeah. the full way. So, you know, who knows? Uh, but let's, you know what, let's go into NFL free agency because yes, obviously we were expecting with with NFL uh, or with COVID basically affecting the salary cap, a lot of people thought that this would mean, you know, uh, 
you're not going to see a lot of big deals. You may see a, a more short-term right. deals as opposed to long-term deals because, you know, people can uh, – can can hit the market next year where you know the market will be will be booming next year because of that new TV contract so. that they signed. Oh uh, yeah. you heard about the new TV contract, right? Where uh, the NFL apparently will make more yes. than ten billion dollars per year. Mm-hmm. I heard. I covered it this. I covered it on my show this evening. That uh, basically NBC, CBS, and ESPN they'll keep their current packages. Uh, Fox, Fox will remain the okay. Fox will Fox will remain the home of the NFC. Uh, CBS obviously remains the home of the AFC. And the biggest difference, though, is Thursday Night Football is now exclusive to Amazon Prime. Right. And also, it says ABC is also returning to the Super Bowl rotation and will be allowed to flex some Monday Night Football games. Uh, from ESPN to have the over-the-air network, basically. Uh, like it's it. also said ESPN ESPN Plus will air a London game, one of the London games that they do every year now, uh, while oh, NBC's Peacock service. Yeah, they are. They're gonna uh, they're gonna have it specifically for ESPN Plus. No, but I mean, with you know, with the pandemic thing, I thought maybe they weren't gonna do the uh, overseas games uh, this year. I thought they were gonna rule that out. Well, maybe not, maybe not this year. But uh, as far as the contract goes, yeah. because obviously yeah. this is, you know, this is more than just a one-year contract. You know, this is for I think obviously. the next uh, until the next uh, the next time that the contracts. Uh, Come up for eleven years, uh, for, from now, and I'll be an old man by then. Yeah, yeah, about about eleven years. Uh, I'll be so sixty-three. Whenever there yeah. is a, whenever whenever there is a London game, ESPN Plus will basically have the rights to it to one of the London games every right. year. But I also uh, know that also, um, if um, if a local team is playing, they'll air they'll air the game over the air in the local areas as well. So if there's a giant game, we'll probably get on our channel uh, 11 or 9 or something. So, you know, so we will see some Thursday night action regardless. Maybe well, not that every Thursday, anyway. but we will see it. That, may, that makes sense anyways because, you know, you have to, uh, you have to give the local networks their uh, – the local networks, they have first dibs over – uh, you know, yeah. uh, depending on certain on certain teams. Uh, baseball. It also, yeah. It also states here that uh, NBC's Peacock service will also have exclusive rights to certain games. Um, plus, all of this is going hand in hand with the new 17 game schedule that they are uh, right. that they're set to have. Uh, as a matter of fact the NFL owners are expected to approve the 17-game season during their meetings on March 30th and 31st. I see. Um, So it also says here that fantasy regular seasons can now check in at 14 weeks instead of 13 as a result of this. Okay. And also uh, two-week championships are another possibility for uh, for fantasy teams. yeah, for fantasy leagues. Right, right. 
Uh, let's see. It says the extra game is reportedly being tacked on at the end of the year as opposed to the beginning, bumping the Super Bowl back to the second weekend in February. That could be a problem this year with it because they also have the Olympics in February, so this could be a big problem. Yeah. There, it, it's going to be very, uh, very packed with uh, – with different uh, when when it count when it comes to sports, it's gonna it's gonna be packed with uh, with games. So who knows what may what may happen? Who knows if the Olympics well, will mean, actually even go on? You mean the Olympics? Uh, well, for for twenty twenty two, I I think it might be a done deal. Oh, twenty twenty two. Yeah, because that's, okay. yeah, that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a conflict, you know, um, with whoever has a Super Bowl. And the Olympics in this during the uh, it's the opening weekend of the Olympics, I think. So uh, there's there's going to be a problem. Yeah, actually, you know what? I have the. Let me go into my photos real quick because I have the uh, the list of. Uh, where are the photos here? Oh, here we go. Photos. Okay, I have the list of years that the Super Bowl. Uh okay, what did you say? 2022 is the Winter Olympics, yes. Yeah, 2022 I think it's NBC this year that has the Olympics or that has uh uh the Super Bowl. Now we really got a problem. Hang on. 2022 Super Bowl. It is. Yeah, it's NBC. Gonna okay, be, uh, we're in deep shit the now. Wikipedia page right now. Uh, so it, it goes. So NBC gets it in 2022. Uh, the remaining years are as follows. It goes into a rotation beginning in 2023. We will have CBS, followed by Fox in 2024, NBC in 2025. ESPN and ABC will both cover it in 2026. Uh, then you got CBS, back to CBS in 2027. Then Fox the next year, NBC the next year, uh, and ESPN, ABC in 2030. Uh, CBS then gets it in 31, Fox in 32, NBC in 33. So 33 is basically when this deal is going to end, essentially. I'll be an old man by then. So this, you know, the the deal is so massive that it kind of makes sense now why the uh, Cowboys made that as big of a deal that they did with Dak Prescott now. Yeah, and I think often just one guy. Yeah. Now, you know, what's interesting about the – going back to Deshaun Watson for a second here, what's very interesting is according to the Houston Chronicles' Aaron Wilson, he's reporting that there are still several NFL teams that remain extremely interested in trading for Deshaun Watson despite all of the allegations against him. Uh, a league source said that teams are actively monitoring the sexual assault civil uh, lawsuit allegations filed against Watson in recent days. Uh, apparently, though, these lawsuits or these allegations have not changed a te- team's calculuses in pursuing a trade for Watson who wants out of Houston. 
This is according to the Houston Chronicle. Right. So, I mean, it it, 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 it kind of makes – when you take a look at the moves, too, that Houston made this uh, during this past week, yeah. You know, it kind of makes you think that maybe perhaps they're they're preparing for life without Watson because they signed mm-hmm. Tyrod Taylor. Um, they signed Tyrod Taylor in free agency. They also uh, traded for uh, Ryan Finley of the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes. So they have three, you know, they now have three quarterbacks and – you know, it's it's obvious they're probably not going to go into camp with three quarterbacks. So, doesn't it kind of seem like they're already they're getting ready to move on from him? Mm-hmm. I think they're ready to move on from, from him, Watson. Yeah. I mean, that's what it seems like. Uh, but but speaking of no, free agency, it. though, speaking of free agency. Oh, and by the way, Tyrod Taylor's deal is worth up to twelve and a half million dollars, which that's hmm. not that's not the money that you give a backup quarterback on a one year deal. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, one uh, year when deal. it comes to when it comes to free agency, though. I guess could we kind of well, – I'll tell you one thing. As a Patriots fan, I did not see this coming at all. Uh, I thought they would be aggressive. I thought they would be aggressive, but I didn't think they would be this aggressive. Yeah. Speaking uh, of um, the Patriots, do you think they did the right thing by signing Newton or another to another year? You know, the fact uh-huh. that they signed Newton, it, it – it's, it it tells me two things. Either one, they need they needed a quarterback to help recruit people to to New England because yes there there has been talk that he is absolutely loved around the around the league by uh, by his fellow players. Okay, I'll buy that. Uh, and also number two, it kind of tells me that. Uh, New England knew that they were out on Garoppolo or possibly landing Wilson or Deshaun Watson and that they needed, you know, they needed somebody. And this is assuming that they're going to draft a quarterback at some point in the draft this year. You know, they needed somebody to come in and basically, basically mentor the, uh, whoever they're going to be grooming to be their next franchise quarterback. Right. It also kind of, te- it also kind of tells me as well that new England didn't really like the, uh, the field of, of free agent quarterbacks this year. And they probably wanted to give Newton another shot because they felt like they didn't surround him with enough weapons last year. And I mean, right. That kind of makes sense. It kind of makes sense because hell, his yeah, number right. his number one his number one wide receiver last year was an undrafted free agent in Jacoby Myers. Oh yeah. Well, and Damier Bird too, but Bird he can't even catch passes that are wide open to him. So I've noticed that. Yeah. 
But, you know, I, like I said, I expected them to be aggressive, but I didn't expect them to be this totally aggressive, aggressive to where to where they – I mean, let's just start off right from the top. They grabbed the top two tight ends in the in this year's class, uh, that being Hunter Henry and John, and Johnu Smith, which mm. to me it basically screams that number one Belichick is admitting that he fucked up in the draft and that he drafted the Good. wrong. Uh, he made a big mistake by drafting uh, Dalton Keene and Devin Asiasi. And number two, it tells me that he wants to go back to the two, uh, the dynamic duo, the one-two punch at tight end that he used to have with uh, Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski when they would be able to move up the field like they did uh, before, obviously, Aaron Hernandez, uh, you know, ended up killing a guy and going to prison for it. And then killing himself. Uh, Yeah, and then killing himself. Exactly. Uh, but yeah. the first day of free shame, agency, if you, if, if, you, if you were listening to Boston Sports Radio on the first day of free agency, I could have sworn I heard that, that breaking news sounder go off almost every, almost every other minute. Because Sports these Hub deals, or they were uh, Sports Hub. Okay, I can't stand the BEI. Yeah, no, I don't watch I don't watch WEI anymore, or I don't listen yeah, to they're, WEI they're, anymore. They're fricks. But I was listening to uh, I was listening to uh, Zolak and Bertrand, and also Felger and Maz, and it just seemed like on the first day of free agency, it was almost every other minute that there was a new sure. deal being announced. And when the first one well, came out, and it said the Patriots signed Johnu Smith. I'm like, wow, they are really going for it at this point. Yeah. You know, if you're going to make a gigantic splash like that early on, and then not, you know, not just that, they go after John, they get Johnu Smith. Uh, I, I forget the exact timeline of the signings, but they got Johnu Smith. Then they got Devon Godchow from the Miami Dolphins. Uh, he Bill's addressing the offensive struggles as well as uh, tightening up some of the defense, which by the time he signed Godcho, it basically told me that Lawrence Guy isn't returning to, uh, to New England next year because, you know, he's one of the defensive tackles uh, that, we, that we will be losing the free agency this year. Um, then... They then news comes out that the Patriots are making a, an aggressive push to sign Matthew Judon, aka Body Built by Taco Bell, uh, of the Baltimore Ravens. And it was at that point that I'm like, okay, the NFL pissed off Belichick last year to the point of where he's going to make sure that he never goes 7-9 and nine ever again. Taking a look at these contracts, he signed, John, first starting with John U. Smith, four years, $50 million. The deal includes $31.25 million guaranteed, and it makes him the third highest average salary among tight ends, trailing only Travis Kelsey and uh, 
and George Kittle. And this automatically makes him an obvious candidate to lead New England in targets this year because we all know that Cam Newton loves tight ends. I mean, you saw what he was able to do with Greg Olson out in uh, Carolina. He absolutely loves uh, utilizing the tight end position. Right. Then they they signed Devon Godchow. Uh, which, I mean, it made sense. To me, it, it, it seemed like a depth move. Like, okay, Bill is working on, on uh, you know, providing some depth. And this is before I I had no idea that, you know, they were probably going to lose Lawrence Guy at this point. I figured, yeah. okay, you know, they're probably going to re-sign Lawrence Guy. Maybe, you know, maybe Adam Butler isn't coming back, which he ultimately ended up not coming back. He's going to Miami. Uh on a on a new deal for him. Uh, but then when they signed Matt Judon, I'm like, Bill really is pissed. The fact that he's, you know, he's going after, and Matt Judon is probably one of the best edge rushers in the league right now. So one of the big things that the Patriots were really missing last year. So I thought, okay, you know, maybe maybe Bill is done for the day. He then signs Jalen Mills, formerly of the Eagles, to a four-year, $24 million deal. And from what it sounds like, it sounds like Jalen Mills is going to take the place of, uh, of Patrick Chung, who ended up retiring the other day. Yes. So that that signing makes sense, even though uh, one of our mods and whispers, Tim Gross, basically laughed at it, pretty much saying that Mills was one of the worst defenders that they had on their team last year. So then I thought, okay, now they're done. Nope. They go on to sign Kendrick Bourne to a a three-year, $22.5 million deal. And then... They sign Nelson Aguilar, who is coming off of a career year with the Vegas Raiders, uh, to a – I think it was a two-year deal. I, for, I forget exactly, but – I think it was, yeah, you know, two years. Needless to say, it, it seemed like they're, they're starting to really revamp their offense, and it, it just tells me one thing. It tells me that Bill really believes – that Newton had no help last year. Uh-huh. And that's kind of why he, he kind of feels like he owes it to Newton, essentially. You know, to where, okay, now we'll give Newton an opportunity. We'll see what he can do with a, uh, you know, with a whole bunch of weapons now. And, you know, maybe perhaps uh, – the pay, maybe we can get back to playoff contention basically next year. So you kind of figure, okay, the Patriots are done finally, right? Nope. nope. They sign Henry Anderson, formerly of the New York Jets, to a two-year deal. And oh dear. I know a lot of people. A lot of people said that Anderson sucked, but let's not forget he yes. had seven sacks in his. 
he had seven sacks in his first year with the Jets. I think before before the Jets ended up deciding, no, uh, our problem isn't Adam Gase. Our problem is Greg Williams. So let's get rid of him. So the Patriots are finally done. The Patriots are finally done, right? No. Nope. They then announced that they are re-signing Kyle Van Noy, formerly of the Miami Dolphins, to a two-year deal. Bring it, basically bringing him back to do the exact same, uh, uh, to be the pass rush that he was in Brady's final final years in New England. And actually where Van Noy ended up excelling was New England. Okay, now they're finally done. <laughs> Bill just laughed at us and said no. I'm gonna I'm gonna decide that one tight end isn't enough. I need two. And let's bring in Hunter Henry on a three year thirty seven and a half million dollar deal with twenty five mil of it guaranteed. Landing both of free agency's top tight ends this year. And I mean it, it basically screams to me Rob Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez without the murdering. And it's no secret that the Patriots, you know, they've they've uh, coveted Hunter Henry for years uh, since he had been with the Chargers. And, you know, a lot of people thought that if they were going to sign a tight end this year, that it would be Hunter Henry and not, uh, and not Johnny Smith. Because Johnny Smith, he's right. the better blocker. But Hunter Henry, he's the better, uh, he's the better uh, numbers man down the field. So now we're finally done. I don't think so. They then signed uh, Raekwon McMillan of the Raiders to a one-year deal. They also signed Montrevious Adams of the Packers to a one-year deal. Basically what they're doing is now they're building up their depth. Oh, and they also also re-signed Nick Folk, uh, their kicker as well as Dietrich Wise, uh, one of their defensive ends, to, uh, to a four-year deal, I believe it was, for Wise. They also signed, uh, they brought back Ted Karras from Miami, uh, who it, it, it basically seemed like with the signing of Karras, that meant that uh, David Andrews would be going elsewhere. Probably one of the bi- the biggest question marks that I'm looking at here. They then re-signed David Andrews to a four-year deal worth about $19 million. I see. To me, to me, that's a steal. That's a steal with Andrews being one of the top yeah. centers in the league. And you mean to tell me that no other team was willing to fork over the money? I mean, doesn't doesn't that just kind of just kind of say just how much COVID has affected this free agent class, Lou? Hell yeah! I mean, think about it. You have all these. I mean, you have all these players that would normally come up. What was that? 
we knew that it was going to screw everything up this year with the free agency. I mean, we knew that was coming. Well, I did. Yeah. But you would normally think, you know, that uh, with some of these bigger names that, you know, they would command higher money, you, you know, just yes. because, yes. you know, they want to get that big, uh, that big deal once they finally hit free agency. Mm-hmm. Now, there was one person that the Patriots did lose besides Adam Butler. Adam Butler, he ended up going to Miami. Uh, the Patriots, they did lose a pretty big uh, offensive lineman in Joe Tooney, who signed a five-year, yes. $80 million deal with the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, okay. which includes about $48 million in practical, gar- in practical guarantees over the first three seasons of the deal. Mm. So now this kind of makes sense that they got rid of Mitchell Schwartz and they got rid of Eric Fisher so that they could land a big fish like Joe Tooney in this free agent market. And in my opinion, now, of course, you know, Fisher and Schwartz, uh, one of them's dealing with an injury, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're not close to where Kansas city wanted them to be. Uh, coming back so they decided to get an upgrade and uh upgrade their guard position get joe tooney yes and probably probably one of the better uh one of the better stories here this is a potential comeback story uh they also managed to uh managed to convince jake long out of retirement Jake Long, who, of course, uh, formerly played with, I believe his last team was the Minnesota Vikings, I think, for one year, yes. uh, back in 2016. They convinced Jake Long to come out of retirement and sign with them, with the yeah. Kansas City Chiefs. And he's going to provide a little bit of uh, a little bit of protection now for uh uh for Pat Mahomes it it it, it, just, it, it it's just crazy some of the some of the signings that we've that we've seen take place here uh but you know though this all really kicked off the domino that really first set things into motion were the two trades that the Houston Texans made before free agency even began. Yes. They acquired Marcus they acquired Marcus Cannon from the New England Patriots. Uh the deal mm-hmm. includes pick swaps in both the fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds of the draft this year in exchange for Marcus Cannon. So basically what New England did is they moved up eleven spots in the fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds each year. Or, or this right. year, I should say. So, which is pretty big, you know, for especially sure. uh, the fact that they're sending over a guy as well who opted out of the season last year, uh, and he was sort of his health was kind of skeptical even before he did opt out. Uh, so they beefed up their offensive line there. 
the Texans, they also acquired Shaq Lawson from the Miami Dolphins in exchange for Pro Bowl linebacker Bernardrick McKinney. Now, this one kind of scratched my head a little bit here, and also a, a swap of late-round picks as well in this deal. Um, now, Lawson, he, he, uh, he has two years remaining on his three-year, $30 million contract that he signed with the Dolphins, but he only started seven games last year. He totaled just four sacks and 18 quarterback hits as a, as a rotational pass rusher. And he's a former first-round pick of the Bills, and he's un- he's been unable to consistently make plays, and hasn't been able to push beyond the status of a premium backup. Now, here's my question: Dan McKinney is coming off of shoulder surgery, and he's been limited to only yeah. 18 games the past two seasons. Mm. But why the? And it's not even a salary dump either. So why the hell are you getting rid of one of your Pro Bowl linebackers who once yeah. made your uh, your defense terrifying? Yeah, I don't I don't see it makes any sense whatsoever. It, it, it really seems, Lou, like none of the stuff that you know we thought that okay maybe with maybe with new management and a new coach yes. maybe perhaps. The uh, the embarrassment of the Houston Texans would finally would finally be over, but mm-hmm. I mean I I think the Marcus Cannon deal was a good deal for them, but the I mean the McKinney deal I just don't see it. Uh, granted, Lawson he is about three years younger. He is three years younger than McKinney, uh, so maybe they just wanted to get younger at the at the linebacker position. But I just I don't understand it. Yeah, that makes two of us. And then also the Texans, they also, uh, like I mentioned, they acquired uh, Ryan Finley from the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, they also traded a seventh-round draft pick to the Patriots in exchange for tight end Ryan Izzo. Now this makes sense because obviously with the signings of Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry, and plus you got the two rookies, uh, or no longer rookies now. Uh, but, you know, that tight end that tight end uh, room is getting kind of crowded there in New England now. Yeah. So the trading of, uh, of, of Ryan Izzo makes sense here. And with the Texans releasing veteran tight end Darren Fells, uh, puts Izzo in – contention to at least compete for the starting job in that uh in that miserable offense that they're probably going to have this year. Uh they did also they did also sign Desmond King, formerly of the Chargers and the Titans, to a one year deal. Uh King, you know, he's been one of the best slot corners in the NFL since he arrived as a fifth round pick in 2015. Uh, But this is the first free agency signing that they've done that definitely moves the needle for them. And this is more of a prove it deal for Desmond King. Um, You know, this is, this is something that, uh, that comes to my mind as well, Lou, what the hell is up with the, with the Tennessee Titans? They're basically letting go of everybody this year. 
Yeah, it's a fire sale, that's for sure. You know, they they've lost uh uh they they lost all of their uh both both of their starting corners. Uh Malcolm Butler and uh Oh, I forget I forget who they had. Um Butler and I think Jenkins was the other one. Uh they yeah, also they lost Corey but they also lost Corey Davis of the uh, of their wide receiver core. He ended up signing with the Jets. Uh, that's a pretty big deal Let's for the Jets. See what they can do. You know, uh, three years, three years, thirty-seven and a half mil for Corey Davis. Uh, he was actually the big, the first big domino to fall in the free agent market for wide receivers. Um. And he opted to sign a shorter contract so that he could hit free agency again as a 29-year-old in three years. And from what it sounds like here, he is probably going to be uh, a number two, a number two receiver, uh, and line up in three receiver sets basically for for the Jets. Uh, along with Denzel Mims, as well as reliable slot receiver Jamison Crowder. So actually, no, he may actually be a number three receiver in that in that uh, offense then. And he is coming yeah. off of a career high 984 yards and five touchdowns as well. So, Lou, what what are your thoughts on uh, on the Jets? You know, it it seems like they're they're actively trying to make improvements here. You know, they signed uh, yeah. Davis, and they they also signed Keelan Cole of the Jaguars to a one-year, $5.5 million deal. Yeah, we still got to deal with Sammy Boy, and that's going to be a problem for us. So, you know, it looks all good on paper, but, you know, let's see how it translates on the field. But as long as you, as long as you got Sandal still with you, it's gonna be a very, it's gonna be a very long season. Ugh. Well, you know, I I wouldn't exactly say that Sam Darnold is is gonna stay uh, too much longer because I hope not. You know, there is some there is some infatuation with him around the league. To maybe perhaps uh, you may be looking at him going going elsewhere because I know they've been weighing trade options for him. Yeah, I'm aware of that, but nothing's come through. So it looks like we're still stuck with him. But also, according to Tom Pelissero of NFL Network, the Jets are reportedly receiving trade calls on linebacker C.J. Mosley. Uh, uh, it, it, it's not known if they're returning those calls or not, but the implication would seem to be yes, that they are talking to teams about C.J. Mosley. Obviously, Mosley was one of those who opted out this year due to COVID. Uh, he has $22 million left in guarantees on the five-year deal that he signed two years ago. And he does have an affordable cap hit of about $6 million this year. Uh, and it kind of sounds like both sides, both Mosley and the Jets, may want to have a fresh start. So that's one big question mark that's going to be surrounding the Jets. 
the further we go, the further along we go here. Also, I believe the Giants they made a pretty big splash today. I think because uh, they, I believe, I may be wrong here, but I believe they signed uh, Kenny Galladay to a deal. Mm-hmm. Four years, $72 million. That's correct. You know, originally, originally it sounded like he had left, uh, he had left the Giants uh, without a deal after, after surviving, uh, you know, a workout uh, that involved Joe Judge's famous wind sprints during, uh, during his visit with the Giants. Uh, you know, he is a legitimate number one receiver, which is something that New York, the, the Giants have lacked since they traded away Odell Beckham Jr. You take a look at this group that that, uh, that Daniel Jones has now. He's got Kenny Galladay. He's got Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton. Uh, he's got tight ends in Evan Ingram and the most recently signed Kyle Rudolph. He also has Saquon Barkley returning. At this point, Lou, you can kind of say that there's not really any room for any more excuses now from Jones. No, there you is. know if he if he's going to succeed, I don't think he's probably going to have any better of an opportunity than this year. So, what what are your sure. thoughts on on this, Lou? Could could this signing? And and also the signing of uh, the signing of Kyle Rudolph could this finally give New York and and we saw we saw that the Giants they almost made the playoffs this year could yeah. this finally help propel the Giants back into the playoff picture? It very well could. I mean they were, I mean for a team that didn't start out so well last year, they made up for it in the second half. And I think with the right piece with that, I think the Giants. Uh, could be legitimate AFC contender, AFC East contenders. Yeah, and let's keep in mind too fan, that but... Daniel Jones, da- Daniel Jones has been working as well on his uh, on his turnover, uh, pr- you know, protecting the ball. So, uh, but right. he's been working on turnover prevention. You know, he did the same the same thing last year as well. So. As, and that defense, you know, they I don't think they really lost many people. You know, they did re-sign Leonard Williams to a new deal. Yeah. Uh, so maybe perhaps, you know, if, if they can get a enough of a cohesive offensive unit, and this is a – to have a signing like Kenny Galladay, who was clearly the number one option in Detroit, you know, this is probably the best. Uh, you know the best acquisition that they could have made this year in free agency. Yes. So, I mean, who knows? You know, maybe perhaps uh, this will help. Uh, this will help the uh, the Giants get back to playoff contention. Another team that has been looking to get back to playoff contention, and they've been making some major strides in doing so. Are the Arizona Cardinals? Yeah, the Cardinals. We remember they got JJ Watt this off season. Uh, 
They also signed A.J. Green to a one-year $8 million deal, formerly of the Bengals, uh, to put him out there with DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk. And not yet known if uh, – oh, and Andy Isabella, too. Uh, it's not yet known if Larry Fitzgerald will return for another season or not. Uh, so that's something to still to still monitor. Uh, right. But not only did they sign him, they also traded for center Rodney Hudson along with the seventh-round pick from the Vegas Raiders in exchange for a third-round pick this year. Now, I mean, that was a pretty – it was a pretty uh, surprising uh, thing to hear about when the Raiders, they basically decided, uh, I guess Hudson wanted out of Las Vegas, and the Raiders, instead of holding on to him, were basically forced to deal him. And actually, mm-hmm. you know, this isn't even helping the Raiders. He, he does have a significant salary, but – He's actually he actually cost the Vegas Raiders two million in the cap. So they didn't gain anything from getting rid of Hudson except the th- except that third round pick. Right. Yeah. In return in return, uh with Hudson coming in, he kicks out Mason Cole out of the starting center spot after Cole graded uh, as Pro Football Focus's sixth-worst center last season, Hudson came in as the eighth-best center because his rankings, and he does remain one of the better centers in football today. So yeah. You know, so there's, there's a lot of stuff that's uh, that's been going, and it, it really seems like this COVID, uh, the COVID situation, has really made it so that you know teams have been have been acting to how they usually go after uh, go after players. Uh, like for example, you know uh, Hassan Reddick, who basically had a career year with 13 sacks last year for the Arizona Cardinals. You would think he would have been in line for a, uh, for a pay raise. Wouldn't you think? He only signed a one year, $6 million deal with the Panthers, which includes incentives to get up to $8 million. So, you know, this is a huge loss for Arizona here, but yeah. I would at least think that Reddick would be worth more than eight million dollars. I it just yeah, kind of shows you, you know, it it, it just kind of shows you just exactly how much of an impact COVID nineteen has had on this market. I mean, hell, you had wide receivers. Who were looking uh, for for offers in the double digit range per year, and teams were like, or not per year, but you know, they were looking for double digit double digit offers, 
and there, you, they met resistance from a whole bunch of teams who were like, no, yeah, no, we're not gonna, mm-hmm. we're not gonna give you that uh, that big contract that you guys have been looking for this year. Yeah, I mean, would it would it be better off, Lou, if you know some of these players were to sign short, like one year deals? And maybe come yes. back next off season where, you know, they can they can perhaps uh, be looking at potential bigger money deals with the uh, with the salary cap, assumingly going up next year. Yeah, I think I want to take that option. I mean, it really is a better deal that way. Yeah, it only makes it only makes sense. And you know, not just another another loss for the Cardinals. They also lost Patrick Peterson, who signed a one-year, ten million dollar deal uh, with the Minnesota Vikings. You know, that's that's one thing I don't get. Peterson, he's been he, he's been kind of injury prone, and he's had down years recently. Yet he gets mm-hmm. more money on the market than than Reddick did, who had a career year last year. Okay, what's wrong with that picture over here? I mean, it just it just kind of makes me think that maybe I guess maybe the uh, the edge the edge rush isn't as uh, you know it, it isn't as right as important as the uh, as the cornerback position, mm-hmm. perhaps think you would want a pass rusher more than you would want somebody uh you know more more than you would want uh somebody defending the uh the passes right and you know going back to what i was saying about the wide receiver market hell it seemed like at the beginning of free agency that it was almost assured that juju smith schuster would be going elsewhere in this market now, this is what's asinine about this whole thing. He signed a one-year, $8 million deal to remain with Pittsburgh. However, he received offers, similar offers, from the Chiefs and Ravens. But the difference between those offers and the Steelers, the Steelers weren't offering any incentives. The Ravens and the Chiefs, they were offering anywhere from $4 million in incentives along with the $8 million contract. But yet, for some reason, Juju Smith-Schuster decided to remain with the Steelers. Mm-hmm. And for less On a money, too. one-year deal. For less money, yeah. I mean, because everybody's always like, well, I'm going to leave because this team's offering me more money. But this is a rare case where he offered to stay with the team uh, and despite the fact that he's going to get paid less, he's still going to stay with them. I mean, that's a very that's that's very rare in this day and age because usually they would go for like, well, they're going to offer me more money, maybe even a car. All right, that's a little bit far fetched, but still, nine times out of ten, if they're going to offer him more money to play for another team, they would take that chance. They wouldn't even consider even thinking about staying with their current team in that situation. Yeah, well, you, you know, the one thing I was kind of I was kind of wondering with this whole thing is maybe perhaps 
because of yeah. the fact that Pittsburgh was such a dominant force last year, maybe perhaps they wanted uh, he wants to give it one more go, assuming that this year may be Ben Roethlisberger's final year. You know, maybe perhaps he gives it year. one more shot. Honestly, yeah, it probably should have. It should have been. But he didn't even want to I go mean, out that way. Okay, I understand that too. You didn't want to go out, you know, in the way you wanted to try to see if you could make yourself a winner one more time. And you know, after the season you had last year, which started out very well, but right after they got sick with with COVID, you know, things just started to change for them, and that's what kind of you know screwed them up. I mean, they were on their way to maybe yeah. even even becoming like you know one of the rare, only the third undefeated team. Well, or the second truly undefeated team, and then right by uh, the eleventh week, and after that with the COVID situation, all that they just—I think they just lost momentum. Yeah, and you know, it's not just him that that uh, seemingly got worse after COVID. You could also say the right. same thing about Cam Newton. Uh, you know, Newton, Newton before uh, before COVID, he was putting up numbers that kind of made you think, okay, is MVP Newton back? You know, are we going to see the Cam Newton that took the uh, that took the league by storm with uh, with Carolina in his early career, and all of a sudden, you know, he comes down with COVID, and he's putting and up even worse hell. numbers than he's putting up worse numbers than than we've ever seen before. Yes. By the way, we got a complete blowout uh, in March Madness right now. Gonzaga absolutely destroying Norfolk State, eighty-four to thirty-seven. Oh, was a surprise. With about, not really a surprise, no. With about yeah, six no, I'm minutes for Kansas, to go. Oh, was a surprise. But um, there has been a question that's been popping up concerning uh, the Zags. Um, now we know that when the uh, regular season, the conference, you know, un, uh, the conference style undefeated, even though they almost lost um, to BYU in the conference, uh, the conference championship. They're trying to become one of the rare teams uh, to go completely undefeated for the entire season, you know, instead of the championship game. The last time it happened was Indiana back in 1976. Can uh, Zagat go all the way, or is somebody bound to stop him? You know, I I filled out a bracket. Uh, I filled out I filled out two brackets actually uh, for whispers, and I have Gonzaga taking it. Gonzaga, uh, I think. Let's see. One of them I had Gonzaga over Baylor, and the other one I think it was Gonzaga over. Hang on. By the way, how was your bracket? Oh my God. Oh my God! Yeah, it's that good, huh? Okay. No, it's it's horrible. You know, a whole bunch of anyway. a whole bunch of uh, upsets. Yes. Purdue losing to North Texas, North Carolina yeah. losing to Wisconsin. By the way, that's the first well, time in Roy Williams's career that he's been eliminated yeah. in the first round. I don't know if I'm looking at much of an upset because that could have went either way. You know, eight and nine, you never can really tell. I mean, there's no really dominant factor. I mean, you know, half half the brackets, you know, take 
uh, the eighth seed, the other half takes nine. So there's no clear upset when it comes to that. You know, it's a not 20, like a, a twenty-three. A 23-point ass-whooping, though? Okay, that might be a little bit surprising, but the outcome of the score. But the matchup itself, I mean, whoever won that, you know, because that's supposed to be a fairly even matchup. You know, it's not like a 15 being a 2 or a 16 being a 1, or if they ever extend it, maybe like a, a 19 being a 1 or whatever, you know. This is, you know, a very yeah. com- very complex. But this, but you're right about that. To get an ass-whooping loss like that, with the uh, seed that should be evenly matched. Uh, okay, yeah, that would be surprising. Uh, yeah, you know, you know. And it, it, it's it's the first time in Roy Williams's college career that he has ever lost in the in the round of sixty four. Well, we know it had to happen sometime. I, I mean, it's a, it's an amazing run that he that that he had that he's been on ever since he. Uh, Ever since he 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 started coaching in college, you know, probably one of yeah. the biggest upsets, the biggest upset that rocked brackets so far was Ohio State losing to Oral Roberts, seventy-five no. to seventy-two. Yeah, ninety-five percent took that. Yeah, and I saw I saw quite a few pissed off. Uh, Buckeye fans that uh, yeah, especially when apparently they threat. Yeah, they started attacking like, one the of their uh, one of their players. You don't do that. Look, I get the fact that you're upset you lost. Okay, I'm upset seeing the hall didn't get in. But do I write a threatening letter to the staff for the players? Like, oh, you guys suck. You should never show your face around New Jersey again. I hate your miserable freaking guts. And you know, no, you don't do that. You know, no. you don't do you don't go off half cocked and you know blame everybody for the loss and whatnot. Yeah, I know they were supposed to win. Everybody, just about everybody we know, uh, picked Ohio State to win this, and they didn't. Yeah. They choked. But look, he did the best he could do, and you know, I mean the player had to treat him like a dog, and now they're saying well he's death threats and whatnot. I mean this is going overboard. Uh, as a fan, as a fan goes, and you're nothing but a bunch of sore-headed losers anyway, because uh, Ohio yeah, State. Hell, I had, I had Ohio State going all the way to the Elite Eight before losing to Baylor. Yeah, I would have said uh, the Elite Eight myself. You know, upsets though are part of, are part of the tournament. They've always had been. Obviously, and, yeah. You know, yes, and okay, it's not that often you're going to see a 15 beat a two, though it has happened. But, you know, yeah. I've watched Ohio State play, uh, of course, and they have been and they have been dominant. And they go and lose to a secondary school of Oral Roberts. By the way, I wonder if they need $8 million uh, so they uh, want to keep them going. Oh, no, no that's just bad. Ooh. Sorry, <laughs> old, old, old joke from Catholic school. You know, there's another one, uh, Colgate. You know, they were considered to be that's one of the top thing. shooting teams they were well, yeah, toothpaste. But they were considered to be one of the one of the top shooting teams in the tournament, and yeah, yeah. they got their asses embar- they, they got their asses eventually embarrassed to, uh, by Arkansas. Yeah, I mean that's not that often. Fourteen beats a three either. Colgate, I I know about their history, whatnot, but I think maybe um, you know Texas was going to be a bit strong for them. Colgate. You name a you name a team after a toothpaste. Okay. What's yeah. next? You know, Brent? I was I okay. was looking 
I was watching that game, and I was like, what the hell is Arkansas? Because it seemed like Colgate was having no problem getting through the interior and uh, getting, yes. getting uh, shots at the basket or, you know, layups, at, yeah. uh, layups in the paint. And I was just – I was wondering, what the hell is up with Arkansas's interior defense, you know, the entire first half? Finally – they, uh, you know, they tightened things up in the second half, but it was like Colgate at one point, it looked like we were going to see a potential upset uh, over yeah. Arkansas. But not because of that, Arkansas, they now go on to face Texas Tech uh, in the round of 32. Uh, let's see. Some of the other upsets, we had Oregon State over Tennessee, they now go on to face Oklahoma State in the round of 32. Uh, we also saw, well, I mean, I guess you can consider these two upsets, uh, Rutgers over Clemson. and You know, uh, a lot of people didn't think that was an upset, and I'm one of them. I thought maybe they could, they, they could beat Clemson, not in a blah fashion, but I, I think it would stay competitive. But I somehow thinking that Rutgers – uh, you know, was gonna, had a chance to beat Clemson, and I was right. You know, it's their first, it's their first tournament. It's their first tournament win in 38 years, I believe they said. Yes, that's correct. Score one for my jersey. Ah. But not just that, but also Maryland defeated a seventh-ranked UConn. Uh, I know, I the, know. In the first yeah. round earlier today. Yeah, you know, I'm just I'm just looking. I'm looking, and here's another one. UCLA is leading BYU by nine points right now. Eleventh uh, ranked I UCLA against. I think that against against six, I think it seems a little bit low for them. To be honest with you, I really think they deserve to be higher. So if they win, you, if they pull this off, I don't look at this much of an upset at all. I really don't. And at one point, it looked like, uh, you know, I laughed when I saw this matchup, when I saw that Rick Pitino was getting Alabama in the first round. You know, I really thought, you know, Pitino was going to get his ass handed to him. But at one point, it looked like Iona could potentially upset Alabama today. No, I didn't think so. His son now is the new basketball coach in New Mexico. Well, what about New Mexico? Uh, his son is now uh, the coach of the, of the men's basketball team. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that came out. Yes. Uh, that came out a couple of days ago, right? Yep. Uh, we also had Virginia fall to Ohio today as well. Uh, right at the actually, I, I mentioned it right at the top of the uh, right at the top of the podcast uh, tonight. That Ohio, uh, they hung on to to beat Virginia. They will now take on Creighton, who just barely survived UCSB uh, I in Creighton. their first round matchup by one point. UCSB, why was it? Why was it with you conniving son of a bitch? I never understood why they didn't score like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know I. Oh wait, no! Because I was with a K. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it's saying. So I was talking to UCSB. You conniving son of a bitch. But right now it looks like the round mm. of thirty-two. The round of thirty-two will consist of these matchups. We'll have assuming. Well, actually, I shouldn't say assuming. Gonzaga has won right. this. Uh, it'll oh, be yeah. Gonzaga against. It'll be Gonzaga against Oklahoma. 
Creighton against Ohio. Yeah. Uh, USC USC taking on uh, Kansas. We will have Oregon against uh, Iowa by default, I should say, because of COVID. Yes, I know. Uh, we'll, we'll have Florida against Oral Roberts. That's a pretty t- – I mean, Ohio State was pretty tough uh, to begin with for Oral Roberts. Now they have to go up against the Gators. Uh, they have another prayer in their, in their book? No. SEC is a completely no. different monster. The SEC is yeah. a completely different monster than the – I think Ohio's in Big Ten, right? Yes. Yeah, you know, the, the SEC, they're a completely different monster than the Big Ten. Uh, so I would assume we'd probably see a Florida win here. Um, then we have Arkansas, you got Virgi- or Virginia, Villanova in North Texas. Uh, you also have Baylor against Wisconsin. Illinois against uh, Loyola Chicago. Oregon State and Oklahoma State. Syracuse. Oh, this is another one. Syracuse upsetting uh, upsetting San Diego State, which I t- I actually well, took you know, that. I, I, had, I this, had Syracuse. This to me was also not really a big big upset. I mean, because you know the Mountain West doesn't play much of a big schedule. Um, you know, I mean, over here in the East, we're not really familiar with with that much. They play like you know smaller schools and whatnot. You know, Syracuse is more advanced. You know, Big Ten, bigger conference. So I wasn't too surprised that San Diego's uh, that um, Syracuse beat San Diego State, even though despite the uh, low seat. But um, I didn't think of that as a surprise at all. Mm. Well, we do have Syracuse against West Virginia. Uh, we got yeah. taking on. Yeah, it's not looking good for Syracuse in the second round. Not at all. No, but one of my uh, colleagues is a big Mountaineers fan, so. Hmm. Oh yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have a uh, a big one up uh, the next time you the next time you uh, you talk to them because this uh, this matchup's supposed to take oh, place Brenda. tomorrow. Uh, we also got Rutgers against Houston. Uh, yeah. uh, on the other side of the bracket, we have Michigan and LSU. Uh, you know what, LSU they could be a potential dark horse. This year, I would not rule out LSU at all for uh, to go on a potential run if they can get hot. They so have, is that your Cinderella team? Well, I wouldn't say exactly, but okay, you know they have they have the offensive firepower to go on a run. The only problem is, can they hold defensively? Yeah, that's been their big issue this year. Mm-hmm. But. I think it's I think it's possible that they can go on a run if they can get past uh if they can get past Michigan. Um you have Colorado That's a tall, that's a tall against, order right there though. Yeah. You have Colorado against Florida State. Uh assuming that these scores hold up, you have Texas against UCLA. Uh and it looks like UCLA they have a 10 point lead right now with about Plenty of time, plenty of time. Plenty of time, yeah. Um, And Texas, they're up by five uh, at the half over Abilene Christian, so who knows how that'll go. Yes. Uh, 
And then, of course, you have Maryland and Alabama as the final matchup in the uh, round of 32. So, if this is a football matchup, I think I would take Alabama, not not in basketball. Yeah, you know, I w- I wouldn't expect Alabama to to actually. Uh, when I think when I think Alabama, I think I think football. I don't think basketball. Exactly. So. And somehow, roll tie doesn't work in basketball either. In football, yeah, I get it with that. But uh, as far as I'm playing basketball, I don't think roll tie has the same has the same meaning and the, the same spirit as it was for their basketball team. Yeah, and speaking of, we were talking about Wisconsin earlier. Uh, the Wisconsin Badgers they just took home once again back to back national champions. Uh, defeating the uh, Northeastern Huskies in uh, college hockey for uh, for the national title. Oh, Their it happened already. National title. No, I oh, couldn't be because I'm not really until April. No, it's it's the women's. I for, I, uh, okay. I thought it was the men's. It's the, it's the women's. Yeah, I think the men are just starting their regionals now. I think. Yeah. But the women, they take home their uh, back-to-back national champions uh, for for Wisconsin. Congratulations. Um, yeah, but, you know, watching this game, though, granted it's against 16th-ranked Norfolk State, but Gonzaga, they averaged around 90 points per game this year. I believe it was 92, actually. Yes. So, I think it's entirely possible that we may be looking at a Gonzaga national uh, national championship here. I wouldn't be surprised. Because you know, I I was trying to I was trying to think of who I could who I could uh, have win each uh, each bracket that I would set up and. You know, I was comparing Gonzaga to some of the other candidates that I had. I'm like, you know, it's maybe if Gonzaga was kind of closer when it came when it came to to scoring, okay. But I mean, they had at least a ten point lead on some of the uh, some of the other teams when it comes to average scoring. So you yes. know, it's like. It's hard to it's hard to pick against them because they they've been that dominant this year, going twenty six right. zero. I don't know. You know, all I know it's it's been it's been absolutely uh, absolutely crazy so far. I didn't think I would see as many upsets as we've seen so far this uh, uh, this year for for March Madness, even though. You know, March Madness is usually the uh, the time of year where we would see uh, major upsets in college basketball. Oh, of course. And I'll tell you one thing: like, if, like if uh, I was saying this at the top of the show, of my show, um, if your brackets are busted, you're not alone because out of 14.4 million brackets that were uh, filled out, there is only 108 now that are perfect. And I'm sure it's expected to drop by tomorrow. Yeah, it, uh, it's probably it's probably going to be even less by tomorrow. Yeah, um, I, I'll tell you one thing: Ohio State getting uh, getting shockingly eliminated in the first round really killed a lot of people. Oh uh, yeah, in particular we downhill did, there. We did have 
we did have two people in the Whispers group uh, pick Ohio State to win it all. So those people, yeah. those two are already out of the uh, already out of the running. A majority of us picked Gonzaga, which obviously to be expected, sure. considering considering you know the the type of team that they have. Um, going over to professional yeah. basketball for a second here. Uh, first off, the big story that is uh, that is being talked about is the injury to LeBron James, uh, who yeah. suffered a high right ankle sprain in today's game. In today's game earlier, uh, X-rays. The good news is the X-rays did not reveal the fracture, uh, but right. the subsequent MRI that he had afterwards did reveal a high ankle sprain. Uh, he is considered to be out indefinitely. Uh, depending on the grade of the sprain, a grade one sprain to keep him out for up to two weeks. Uh, the further, you know, the, the further they go with the sprain, if it's grade two, grade three or whatever, it could go even further depending on the severity of the, of the sprain. Uh, they're already without Anthony Davis and Mark Gasol. Now they're without LeBron James. I think we got a problem in L.A. Oh, yeah. I mean, because thinking back to when LeBron was injured in the Christmas Day game in his first season, I mean, they never recovered from that. And I'm thinking that this could be deja vu all over again. Yeah, and the Lakers, they currently sit about two games ahead of the Clippers right now in the standings. Two and a half games uh, out of being... uh, They're two and a half games, actually, out of uh, being put into the play of uh, the play-in tournament. Ugh. So, if they potentially slide, we could potentially see the Lakers slide all the way to the play-in tournament. Oh boy! From what we're looking at here, because uh, yeah. four, five, and six seeds, four, five, and six are pretty damn close. They're separated by like a half game, from what I'm looking at here. Uh yeah. Over in the East, um, probably one of the biggest surprises so far this season in the East has been the New York Knicks surprisingly, uh, you know, staying at at least 500. You know, they they currently enter uh, enter today at 21 and 21, but it looks like they're trending in the right direction from what it from what it appears. Yes. Uh, the Boston Celtics, though. You know, there were all these rumors that Brad Stevens may potentially leave for the Indiana Hoosiers job. Uh, He officially came out yesterday and and said that he is not interested. Um, But, man, looking at – just looking at how they've played this year, you kind of wonder if maybe perhaps Brad Stevens leaving would be the best thing for them. Mm. Because – I mean, you're, you're pretty much what they're doing right now is they're wasting a year of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum with uh, with how they're playing. They've lost their last three games. They're five and five in their last ten. Uh, the team it just seems like they haven't played with any desire, basically, yeah. to the point of where you know it's. It, 
Now, Marcus Smart, he did say that they were dealing with, with stuff off of the court uh, as to why, you know, they haven't been completely focused. But, it, it you know, it just seems like it's it's possible that Brad Stevens may have lost that team, that he may have lost the locker room uh, specifically. Yeah, based on how they've played. What are your thoughts, Lou, on the uh, on the slumping Celtics? Because it it seems like that they they should they should be better than what we've seen so far. Yeah, I mean this is rather surprising. I mean, this is not really a familiar situation that has. Although, of course, you know I can't really stand the Celtics, but uh, you know I have you know just seeing stuff like this. I mean, is you know uh, something that we didn't expect. They're a game below five hundred. Uh, at this point, so we really didn't see uh, this happening, and I don't think the schedule gets any easier for him. So Boston's one, you know, on the outside looking in right now. And, well, actually, you know, they're supposed, they have says here that they have one of the easier schedules in the second half out of all the mm. teams in the in the league, and the fact that they have one of the easier schedules, they're losing to teams that they should be beating. Like yeah, their most recent game, their most recent game against the Sacramento Kings, who are ranked 13th in the West. I mean, Sacramento, they were just shoot at one point they were shooting anywhere from 75 to 80 percent in the first quarter. It just seemed like all of their shots were falling, and Boston, quite frankly, they didn't really appear to, honestly, really be giving a shit. No. You know, it wasn't like they were they were actively trying to uh, trying to defend the shots. It just seemed like they were wide open on threes the entire game. So I don't know I don't know what the hell is going on in Boston, but uh, there's. You know, with the trade deadline coming up, there's been they've been uh, involved in uh, rumors, but then again, they are every single year only for you know only for Danny Ainge to basically come out and say, "Well, we tried, but we just we we couldn't get anything done. We were close, mm-hmm. yada yada," which is basically uh, it's basically his go-to excuse now at this point. Mm-hmm. Essentially, uh, let's see here. I thought I saw an update on. No, I guess I didn't. Hang on, is this updated? Right now, UCLA—they still hold a ten-point lead with about three minutes to go. Well. So this could potentially, uh, yeah, this this could potentially be a uh, a, b- a big upset here if UCLA uh, ends up outlasting BYU well, if they can if they can hold on. To you might be an upset, but to you might think it's upset. Um, I'm not calling this an upset. Yeah, and uh, you know another thing since we're since we're uh, back on college here for a second, have you seen the story? of the the men's weight room against the women's weight room? 
I think I came across that briefly. Uh, but the, men's the, weight, the, the men's weight room, they have all the necessary things, you know, all of the all of the equipment. The women's weight room literally had just one rack of dumbbells. Oh, wait, oh, wait, oh, wait yeah, that? no, they had yoga, they had yoga mats, and they had six sets of dumbbells. That's mm. all. And now they're going the to dumbbell. The men, the men literally had everything. The men had uh, had uh, machines, benches, racks, what you name it, they had it. And yet the women, they basically had nothing, essentially. And the post actually drew outrage from from uh, WNBA star Sabrina Ionescu, as well as NBA players like John Morant and CJ McCollum, who blasted uh, the NCAA over this disparity. And uh, the yes. the actual video proof uh, was was filmed by Stanford's performance coach Ali uh, Kirshner. Uh, who showed the uh, the setup for the men and then showed the setup for the women. I mean, it was a drastic difference. Uh, now, the NCAA vice president, Lynn uh, Holzman, she tried to justify the difference by claiming they simply couldn't find the space for a larger, more comprehensive training area, and the organization was working on getting more equipment to the women's facility. Now, yeah. if you if you got the chance to see the video, that first part of her statement is complete and utter bullshit. There was plenty of room to put out more or to put more than just uh, six dumbbells and six yoga mats. More than enough room. Yeah, wait, um, let's say it again. I, I, have, I have a small problem. Go ahead. Well, there, there, was, there was more than enough room for – uh, yeah. Contrary, contrary to what to what the uh, vice president of the NCAA said, uh, that there wasn't enough room for uh, for the women to to have the necessary equipment. It's complete yeah. bullshit. Because I saw the it I is. saw the video, I saw the video, and there was plenty of room, and all they had was, was six sets of dumbbells and six yoga mats. That's it. Yeah, but who's the real dumbbell now? It's just. It's just flat out laziness by the NCAA. It is. Yeah. Um, they had to be responsible here. for that. You know, they do handle the equipment and everything, and you know, they. It was just purely out of being irresponsible. Yeah. Now we did we we did have another story. Uh, staying in basketball for uh, for a minute here. Uh, former star of the Dallas Mavericks, Sean Bradley, uh, he has been left he has been left paralyzed after he was hit by a driver while on his bike. Um, I heard. A former seven foot six center who played for the Dallas Mavericks, New Jersey Nets, seventy sixers. Uh, reveal, he revealed his injuries through a statement that was issued by the Mavericks. He was one of the tallest NBA players in history, 
says he was hit from behind while biking near his St. George, Utah home. The accident caused a traumatic spinal cord injury resulting in neck fusion, in a neck fusion surgery that has seen him hospitalized for the last eight weeks and undergoing rehab. Yes. And he's basically been left paralyzed because of this. And now he has expressed a desire... He has expressed a desire to use the incident to bring great public awareness to the importance of bicycle safety. I mean, what what the hell is up with drivers now? You know, the fact that yeah, that something like this has to happen, and that he was hit from behind of all things. It's even worse. Yeah. I mean, you know, I wasn't a big Bradley fan because you played for the Sixers and, you know, how we feel about, you know, teams like us just outside of our area, like in the border, uh, the border war. But I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I mean, I feel I feel really, you know, devastated by the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, it's horrible. It's, it's horrible because yeah. now his, the rest of his life is basically impacted at the age of 48. Uh, he's younger than I am. You know, he'd be able to shoot another basketball ever again in his life. No. Unless it's from a wheelchair, but that's beside the point. Uh, Staying in the NBA, the uh, Houston Rockets' abysmal season continues with a fire sale as they they sent P.J. Tucker to the Milwaukee Bucks in a four-player trade. Uh, well, wait a minute. Actually, no. Hang on. Okay. Okay. This is the full trade. So, uh, the Rockets, they traded P.J. Tucker, Rodian's Corrooks, and their first-round pick in 2022 in exchange for D.J. Augustine, D.J. Wilson, and a 2023 unprotected first-round pick from the Bucks. Yeah, and this is a, this is actually a pretty good pickup for the Bucks because you know they they could definitely use a guy like Tucker. Um, yeah, Augustine Augustine, you know he just isn't the same type of player that he once was. Uh, no. His production has 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 basically faded off. Uh, you know, specifically this year in general. Um. Not yet known exactly what kind of role Tucker's going to have on the Bucks, but I would assume that you know he, he's going to have some sort of role off of the bench. Uh, it's not yet known whether or not whether or not his minutes will drastically affect the uh, Bucks rotation, though. Yes. Uh we did mention at the top of the show tonight that uh, COVID was affecting more than one sport, and that is indeed true. Uh, the NHL, yeah. they have announced that the Boston Bruins' next two games have been postponed as a result of four Bruins players being added to the COVID protocol list. Now, previously Sean, previously, Sean Corrales was on the COVID protocol list, 
He was then joined uh, a couple of days ago by David Krejci, David Pasternak, uh, I believe Smith was one of them, and hang on, I'll find the uh, I'll find the other one. Uh, oh boy. Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't know what happened. What happened to my uh, to my notes? Because I'm pretty sure I had them. I had the full list of players here. Uh, DeBrusque, That's who it was. The other. Uh, the other player. So, Sean Corrali, David Pasternak, Jake DeBrusque, Craig Smith, and David Krejci, all are in the COVID protocol list right now. Yeah. The rest of the team is in quarantine, and. Their next game will be tentatively on Thursday. They want they can't even practice, Lou, until Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. I mean, imagine, imagine can be avoided if they can if they if uh, they would just let. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that they have COVID. But it's more no. more like that they were in the same vicinity of somebody that that had COVID, basically. Yeah, but the whole thing but, is that they're just screwing they're just screwing up now, and you know it's gone it has, it has gone beyond ridiculous. You know you're not supposed to be doing it. Uh, they put you in a bubble type of. Well, you're not in a bowl time environment for the hockey, but they're, you know, bowl time environment for basketball, for college basketball, and they still screwed it up. Yeah. And that's another thing, you too. You know, you're not going to be doing it, you do it anyway. You know, I mean, that's another thing, too. Speaking of college basketball, you know, Oregon and VCU had to get canceled because VCU. Right. Apparently, uh, up. apparently had had stuff related to uh, to COVID protocols too. So now, because of that, Oregon gets a uh, gets an automatic spot in the uh, in the round of thirty two. Hmm. So it it just and and plus, I heard apparently too that Miami Beach just uh, issued a state of emergency, apparently because of all the spring breakers that are down there. Uh, no and apparently they are apparently they are flooded down there. That's I think they're looking to, I think everybody's looking to get this disease. Yeah, I'm t- I'm telling you the numbers are going to are going to go right back up to where they were. Oh and, sure. You know, it even though even though you may be vaccinated, there's uh, there is, I I did hear some rumor that you're not really fully vaccinated until you have that second shot. Well, it depends on which one. It depends on the vaccine you get. True, yeah. But they're even saying that too, though, uh, when it comes to the uh, the first shot, you know, the, the, uh, the one-shot vaccine, that uh, obviously you'll have to go back in uh, for a second dose, I forget. I forget what the time frame is, but yeah. But you know, there's the there's a, there's basically uh, 
is you're going to have to get that second shot before, I guess, apparently uh, they won't consider a person vaccinated until they have that second shot, regardless of if it's a one or two shot vaccine. But the thing is that this disease is caused by your own stupidity. Yeah, exactly. And that could that could just as easily be, uh, you know, that that could just as easily be be uh, be contained if if people would just make smart decisions. But obviously, of course, that, not. that hasn't happened. Uh, Lou, I don't know if you heard. Uh, I don't know if you were if you were on the line when we discussed this, uh, but there was a UFC. Um, there was a UFC fighter who actually, uh, her name is Julia Stoliarenko, uh, uh-huh. who ended up collapsing during the weigh-in. Oh, oh yes, yes, I heard. I didn't get the she name, collapsed. but I heard of it. I heard the story. Yeah, she's a former, uh, she's a former champion from Invicta FC, which was basically the, uh, the women's only, uh, uh, company that the UFC ended up uh, ended up purchasing, but uh, she ended up collapsing twice, and it was so weird when I watched the video because I uh, when I watched the video it looked like you know she had gotten up on the scale and she looked fine you know she didn't look off balance or anything and then. It looked like she was about to flex, like they sometimes do when they announce the weight. And yeah. all of a sudden, she just she just fell back completely, right on her ass. And they immediately they immediately rushed the uh, you know they rushed the stage uh, to check in on to check on her, and they had her way they had her way in again and. She couldn't even. She couldn't even stand. Oh, wow. Now, what's weird is normally you see this if it has to do with the weight cut. You know, if a fighter has oh, yeah. cut too much weight uh, in a short amount of time, you know, normally that's the main problem. However, she says that it was probably one of the easiest weight cuts of her career because the weight was dropping faster than normal than than she normally had done however the main issue she thinks was that she made weight too early because weigh-ins normally start at 9 a.m and she was already at her target weight at 5 a.m in the morning and the thing is when you cut weight you can't be at that weight for too long because you're already at no. the limit of your uh, of dehydration basically because what many people oh, but, don't realize is when what many people don't realize is you know when these when these boxers and and mixed martial artists when they make weight yes. uh when they when they're uh you know going to the weigh-ins and whatnot they're literally coming off of just finishing uh their weight cut you know they're not just walking walking around for for a certain amount of time until uh until the weigh-ins start, a lot of a lot of fighters often come straight to the weigh-ins immediately after, uh, you know, cutting weight, and then right after they weigh in, that's when they start rehydrating themselves. 
So, I mean, it's a very, very scary situation that, that unfolded. Uh, okay. She, of course, ended up having her fight canceled uh, tonight because of it. And I, it, it was just scary. You know, they, they posted it, I think, on TMZ, if you haven't, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, Lou. Uh, it's one of the – I know of it. Probably one of the scariest, one of the scariest sites I've seen. Yes. Yeah, well, I hope she's all right. But it it just it kind of makes you it kind of makes you wonder if maybe perhaps they should, uh, you know, they should have some sort of a they should have some sort of a thing to where like they can account for a certain amount of weight being being water weight. Like for example, say it's a Say it's a it's a one it's a it's a lightweight fight at 155 yeah. pounds. They should at least allow the fighters in order to avoid situations like this. If if uh, a fighter accidentally cuts weight way too quickly, you know they should allow fighters to weigh in at like maybe 159 or something 160, you know, to at least get that water weight back, so that they can avoid situations like this. Yes, because let's face it. Even though it's a, even though it's a lightweight fight, they're never at the at the at the target weight of 155 pounds uh, on fight night. No, you know it's just like heavyweights. Uh, a heavyweight, they may weigh, or no, a light heavyweight. A light heavyweight may weigh in at 205 at the weigh-in. Yes. But they're literally they're literally two twenty five, two thirty five on fight night. You know, they're technically fighting as heavyweights, essentially. So it's I think something definitely needs to be done when it I agree. Uh, when it comes to that. Uh let's see if I can get a update here. UCLA, yeah, this is final seventy three yep. to sixty two. So the UCLA Bruins advance, upsetting the BYU Cougars. Oh, I don't look as much of an upset. Well, yeah, you don't you, you don't consider it much of an upset, and you know maybe you're right. Maybe no. the maybe the Bruins because I I always remember the Bruins, you know, to be more uh, to be more in the pack basically when it comes to. Uh, you know, when it comes to college basketball, I was kind of—I I am kind of shocked that uh, they were—they were only ranked 11th. But maybe yeah, that was—that was because a, they were forced. That was underestimating them. You know, maybe it's because they were fourth ranked in the Pac-12. Perhaps, maybe that could have something to do with yes, it. Yes. Okay. Right. I mean, that's. That's the only that's the only thing that I can that I can think of really. Yeah, I get I get that, but I still think they were ranked a little bit low. Oh yeah, no, it was they were definitely they were definitely ranked low. Very under yeah yeah under underestimated. Uh, let's see some we we do have some baseball news. I didn't mention this last week. I don't know why. Uh, veteran outfielder Nick Markakis, he called it a career after 15 seasons yep. in Major League Baseball. Uh, 
he said that he made he made up his mind shortly after the postseason ended and didn't pursue any potential opportunities this past winter. Um, he was a seventh overall pick back in 2003. He spent fewer than three years in the minors before debuting as a 22-year-old in the majors and never uh, never being sent back down to the minors. Um, he wrapped up his career as a 288 hitter with 2,388 hits, 189 homers, 514 doubles, and 22 triples to go along with 66 steals, 1,046 runs batted in, and 1,119 runs scored. To say, he was a very, uh, a very uh, utilized hitter throughout his uh throughout his career. Now, this isn't good news, though, for uh, for Yankee fans. Um, Zach Britton will reportedly undergo arthroscopic surgery to remove a bone chip yeah. in his left elbow. Uh, well, actually, I think he might have already done it because this was, this was uh, last week, I think. Uh, he is expected right. to be shut down completely for six weeks, and he's likely not to be back for another three to four months. Oh, wow. Which is, this is actually going to open up an even bigger role for uh, reliever Justin Wilson in the, uh, in, the, in the Yankee bullpen, apparently. I mean, this is a pretty big loss. They already lost uh, Ottavino by trading him to the Red Sox, which, by the way, it does look like Adam Ottavino yeah. uh, is back to his old self because um, he looked pretty dominant this spring. Yes, so he far, that is. Uh, and now the Yankees are going to be without Zach Britton. So that's putting even more pressure on uh, – on uh, on Chapman to close out games because the Yankees, it, it, from what it sounds like, they don't have that fallback option now. Uh, what are you What are you hearing, uh, Lou, uh, in Yankee Land? The uh, the reaction to this news. Yeah, I mean, I just found that out. So, yeah, this is this is a good buff, you know. You know, back when, uh, two years ago, when our entire team was, you know, battered with injuries, we relied on our farm system, which helped got us out there. But, uh, you know, we don't seem to be having the luxury of that this year. So our players have got to just stay healthy and, you know, hopefully to avoid to avoid this. Because uh, I don't want to see our team going down all because of everybody getting hurt. Yeah, there could be a, there could be a lot of injury issues this year. Yeah, uh, especially especially since they're going back to a regular season now instead of a shortened season. Hmm. Uh, we'll see how long that lasts. On the other side of New York, though, uh, the New York Mets have lost Carrasco uh, due to a torn hamstring it says here uh could require six to eight weeks and that's just to start with a six to eight week absence and he's probably in the same 
in the same time frame as Zach Britton, he's probably out for anywhere from three to four months. Right. Okay. And originally it was labeled as a right hamstring strain uh, that he suffered when doing conditioning work following a 20-pitch simulated inning that he did earlier this morning. Or no, uh, not this morning, actually. It was uh, it was Thursday morning. But this was a pretty big loss because he came to the Mets alongside Francisco Lindor in the blockbuster deal that they that sent a prospect package uh, that was headlined by Andres Jimenez over to Cleveland. And he was supposed to be uh, part of a deep Mets rotation that includes Jake DeGrom, uh, Marcus Stroman, as well as Taiwan Walker among the top four projected members of their pitching staff. So now this sets uh, what looked like the Mets were going to have a uh, a solid season, uh, at least on paper. Now it looks like, Not you know, there's going to – they got they got quite the problem there uh in New York now. Yeah. All right. Well, uh we are reaching yeah, the I... end of our show tonight. Uh thank you, Lou, uh, for joining me as always. Uh thank you. A thank you to, a thank you to Kyle as well for joining us tonight. A reminder, yeah. uh we will have a we we will have a uh, survivor memories podcast beginning this thir- or this Thursday night again uh with it looks like it will be uh survivor south pacific from what it sounds like uh and also we will have a another amazing race podcast that that uh that Jim mentioned uh, Thursday night uh, that is set to be in at some point in the future uh, we will get more information to you guys uh, once we know more about that uh, but for now uh, I'm, I'm just thankful that you know blog talk radio actually allowed us to be on the full uh, the full time tonight uh, so anyways we are going to cut it here uh, a reminder uh, check out all of our previous interviews with Survivor, Big Brother, and Amazing Race stars on blogtalkradio.com slash missyae or by subscribing to us on iTunes by looking up, by searching for Missy AE on iTunes and also Apple Podcasts, I guess it, it also falls under. Uh, so thanks again for joining us tonight or for tuning in uh, on the archives. Uh, We will see you guys next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly.